Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is the Character and Smallman Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's Character and Smallman. everyone and welcome to Carriker and Smallman with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. It's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Good morning to Michelle Smallman. Good morning to Randy Carriker. Good morning, Danny Mac. Good morning. It is uh, rainy outside. I got to get something off my chest. Fire away. Um, First of all, good morning, Emily, too. Good morning, Emily. Good morning. Emily's here. <laughs> Michelle, I'm not happy with you. Oh, no, Dan. I have, I've got to get this off my chest. And this right? is 15 minutes before we get too sick of it. I, I understand that, but yeah. this has got to happen right now. Oh, shoot. I'm nervous. So yesterday, you posed the question, who's the one person you want to interview? Yes, right? Correct. And you immediately threw out, you said, hey, Bill Belichick. And I just, I poo-pooed it. I said, no. Well, I got to resend that. Oh. I do want to interview Bill Belichick. I've done a lot of deep dive on this. I had it. You have made me think about this for 24 hours, and it's consumed my life it, to the point that uh, I missed one of my son's questions in the car. He's like, hey, Dad, by the way, and I missed a turn. I forgot to tell you, you that. Turn. I missed a turn to his practice that I've made uh, hundreds of times thinking about this. Okay. I have gone down so many rabbit holes of trying to figure out who I want to interview. Well, I'm I, glad you gave it so much thought. I'm... You have no idea that to the point this morning that I actually went to my bookcase and looked at all the the books that I got of political figures and athletes and all that stuff. I've come up with it now. Okay, I want to hear it. It's not going to be like sexy for the, uh, I, I, I don't think it would be for the sports fan out there, although it's sports related. It's not an athlete, but it, it would be Al Michaels. And it was sitting right in front of me because I always yell at Tim McCarver who is close with Al Michaels, I would always say to him, you have to set up a lunch with Paul Simon for me because I love Paul Simon. Pretty good one. And I wanted Al Michaels, and he didn't do either one. And uh, <laughs> I said, you have to get me a lunch when we're in L.A. with Al Michaels. Well, I'll try. And so anyway, that is who I want to interview. If it's the true serum, it's there. And I want Bill Belichick because I want to find out about cheating, and I want a truth serum on his relationship and what he thinks now with Tom Brady. Oh, it's off my chest. I got it. And now we can move on. There's Thank you. Lo- I'm glad, Dan, that you gave it oh, so much thought. But, but you ruined I can't get those 24 <laughs> hours back in my life and you ruined it. Or did I really make you think about something important? Because you you've did. interviewed so many amazing people throughout your career. That's why I was wondering. There's got to be some people on the white whale list. It, it was such a good question. You ass but you like just kind of threw it out there and then it just made me think all day you have no idea it consumed me that is too funny it consumed me it was crazy you know there's a lot of stuff there with belichick too outside of cheating the stuff with bill parcells oh I mean, yeah so the stuff with the jets i started there's thinking so about all there. that there's so much there and then i really kind of started thinking do i really want to go down that ram super bowl thing and i've just yeah. you know we've talked about it so much and i was like but if you got yeah, the truth. I think truth, I do. I think I really truth. do. Yeah. So thanks a lot for ruining my day. You're welcome, Dan. Yeah. That's <laughs> what I'm here for. But day it, ruiner. But it was a good day, though. A good. So, so it made me think about a lot of things. So thanks, I think. 
Al Michaels, the answer. I love that. Yeah, Al Michaels is my guy. That's what I wanted. That's a good one. That's what I wanted. All is right, he Randy, start. He would be my dog. Oh, you guys would definitely be dogs. He is fascinating. On and off the air. I love his little quips of the bets that he puts in there on the lines on his calls. <laughs> he's yeah. funny. Uh, the great story. His book is great. Um, I, I, I think he's the preeminent broadcaster of what he does. So anyway, it's it's a lot of fun. Meanwhile, anyway. the Cardinals <laughs> fell to the Natinals yesterday. The final school. I call them the Natinals because one time they came out in a jersey that didn't have the I. It said N. Or maybe it was N-A-T-I-N-A-L-S. Remember that when they didn't have the O? Somebody yeah. didn't have the... So I call them the Natinals now and then. Natinals beat the Cardinals yesterday 3-2 down in Florida. Jack Flaherty pitched <laughs> well for three innings and then in the fourth inning allowed a couple of runs. But he was great. And the Cardinal defense, especially on the corners, was great. And that's something that uh, the manager, Mike Schilt, is getting used to. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Um, it's a good feel. And I, I really feel that way about entire defense. Where those guys are... You talk about anchors, you're talking about, you know, really, really, really solid deep anchors. The guys that just, you know, you know what you're going to get. We have a lot of those guys that doesn't, but Nolan and uh, Goldie have been doing it for a long time. And, you know, no one makes a, makes a, a tough play look somewhat routine. Um, you know, just, just quality job on both, both sides from them. And, um, you know, it's nice to be able to see that, have that, you know, defensive big part of our game. It will be fun to watch those guys for 162, those oh, two together. Yeah. And how much fun Yachty will have <laughs> with such prolific. It'll be like Roland and Albert back in the day. And think about pitchers. We talked to Kyle McClellan earlier in the week, and the confidence he said that gives a pitcher knowing the defense as he, that he has behind him. And you have Yachty in front of you. It's just going to be a game changer for the entire team. Encouraged by what I saw in the line with Jack Fletty. Flatterty, Flatterty. As we move towards St. <laughs> Patty's Day. Yeah, me being an Irish yeah, guy. Flatterty. There you go. There it goes. Rolls off the tongue. I should know that better. Come on, Dan. Slap myself <laughs> in the face there. Uh, wake up a little bit. Yeah, I should say that better. But yeah, I'm excited about seeing that. That that's encouraging sign. It was really a pitcher's duel with he and Scherzer. Mm-hmm. You know, Max Scherzer treats every game like Game Seven of the World Series. Mm-hmm. I've seen some of those spring training starts, and he's out there grunting and yelling at himself <laughs> and everything else. And good to see Flaherty do what he did so now there's some encouraging signs with martinez wayno's been really good flaherty doing what he did yeah doing what he did yesterday but to the bigger point that michelle just made throw strikes put the ball in play if you get the strikeouts great that's a positive too but put the ball in play you have a preeminent defense behind you use it that's the bottom line couple of big basketball games coming up. Mizzou and Georgia in their first game in the SEC tournament tonight. It's on the SEC Network at 6 o'clock. Illinois will play in the semifinals of the Big Ten tournament tomorrow night at 6.30. Michelle won't be watching that. No, not at all. all. It's against Mm -mm. the team TBA. Oh, Illinois versus TBA, they got it. And Illinois is like an 18-point favorite against TBA. TBA is always advanced Mm -hmm. in that first part of the section of the tournament. They always They got those guys that just advance. They always they every, pass the COVID test and then they go on. Every year. It's amazing. <laughs> they they always find their way into the, the second or third round. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Blues are back in action tomorrow. By the way, David Braun is going to join us coming up at 8.15. The Blues will practice today after a couple of days off. They'll play the Golden Knights minus Alex Petrangelo tomorrow night at Enterprise Center. And that's a Six o'clock pregame, seven o'clock faceoff here on 101 ESPN. Okay, I'm going to find the silver lining with that, which there's a couple. Number one is I would assume they're not a better team without uh, 
Alex Petrangelo. True. And uh, maybe you get more fans in the stands when he comes back to be recognized. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good that's thing. A good point. You know, I, I just, I, I find that's the other, I, there's so many down things about COVID-19 as it pertains to sports with no fans in the stands. He deserves to have a great comeback with the video and the tribute and the various things that you know the Blues will do right. They are so good at doing that. Their video department and how uh, their organization recognizes the players of the past coming back. And and I would want to see him get that 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 just uh, comeback that he would get on Friday night. Okay, his first game back, this is a hypothetical, is a playoff game. Do you play the video Is if his first game back is a playoff game? I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't. You don't That's- want to see him get booed, huh? That's a di- that's a different flavor of playoff. I game. agree with Michelle. I don't <laughs> I think do you do it in a playoff game. No, I don't think you can. Here's a another question, guys. How many fans are we going to have in the stands at a playoff game? I mean, things are really starting to loosen up. I don't know if you saw this down in Texas. As we all know, yep. it's it's now 100 percent open. Arlington is saying in for the Rangers, they're going to be 100 percent open for their games. The Astros said they will not open up at 100 percent capacity for opening day, but that would be roughly around playoff time. Uh, for the NHL, matter of fact, it'll even be past that a little bit because you're getting into middle of April, May, I think, for playoff time for the NHL. Where do you think the NHL is with uh, having fans in the stands at, at points in, in certain points of the country? Well, Dan, let's go to the old percentage calculator, shall All we? All right. <laughs> I like it. All right. So what is 32% of 18,500? Who got who has that before the uh, calculator? Here we go. Boom. Uh, that is going to be 5,920 fans in the stands for the Blues in the playoffs. Open it up even more? 6,000. Perhaps. Could be more. Yeah, by the end of, as you go along, because this the playoffs will start May, right, first part of June. So maybe, yeah, you're up to 50%, get 9,000 in there. And depending on, heck, if, if by the end of June, as has been suggested, everybody has access to a vaccine, mm-hmm. maybe you do open it up. That's my point. Yeah. Big news yesterday for the NHL. They are back with ESPN Television. Obviously, the league and ESPN have been apart for a while. ESPN still the the Goliath in sports television. Gary Bettman, commissioner of the NHL, asked if this will give the NHL an opportunity to continue to grow. Uh, for, first of all, I think that the, the, the capabilities that ESPN continuously demonstrates in terms of how they cover and promote sports will help grow, continue to grow our game. Uh, and, and as I just said, that was an attractive element of doing the package. I have complete uh, confidence in Jimmy and how he's going to have his team treat NHL hockey. And I think their reach, particularly for young people, uh, will continue our growth. So we enter into this deal with an expectation together that we're, we're, we're each doing something new, okay? We're gonna have a new partner, they're gonna have a new property, and together that's gonna energize both of us to in effect hopefully make both of us better and let each of us grow our, our fan bases and our viewership. And that NHL's new deal starts next season. I think it's great for hockey. I 
think if you're a Blues fan, you should be very excited about this. Hockey, to me, I never understood why it wasn't more popular nationally here in America because it's such an exciting sport. You have the speed, the physicality, the best playoffs in sports. You have great personalities on hockey teams. But I think hockey sometimes falls into the trap that baseball does where people watch their team and their mm-hmm. team only. And I think having national exposure like ESPN, where all throughout the day they are going to be talking about hockey now because it's their property, it gives it exposure to the average sports fan who might not be paying attention. I think you hit it on the head. It's a regional sport. So like baseball, people know that you could go to Fox Sports Midwest and you're watching the Blues or you're watching the Cardinals. Mm -hmm. And then when they first left ESPN, which at that point in time was very easy to find, not that it's not easy to find now. Everybody knows where you're going to find ESPN. But at that point in time, remember where they were going? It was the Outdoor Network. It was OLN. OLN, It was, you couldn't find it. I mean, there were people that knew that were in the business that were like, where can I find the game? It was bad. We were, I remember uh, doing Cardinal Baseball and we were on the road and we were trying to go to restaurants to go find Blues playoff games. And we would say, we would be on the road and we'd say, hey, can you find the Blues and whatever team they're playing? And they'd say, sure, you know, and where where are they playing? And they'd try to search for it. Couldn't find it. We'd be in the hotels. Mm. Couldn't find it. That can't happen if you're trying to appeal to your fan bases across the country. And so now think about if you're just flipping through and you've got your basic cable and there's a hockey game on, people will stick around and watch. You might get five minutes, ten minutes of somebody sticking around or a whole game. That's good for your sport. And we talk about how young people consume sports now. There's only going to be 25 games on ESPN TV, but all the games from NHL.TV, that entire package now moves to ESPN+. If you're going to find hockey online and with your smart TV, Mm -hmm. it's going to be through ESPN. ESPN+, Plus, I think, is $5 a month. Yeah. So you get uh, all the different things that you want on that. and places. Yeah. Um, Eli's places. Yep. Do you watch that? Yeah, I do. I, I think it's great. I think, and I have the bundle with Disney. I'll tell you what, I, I had ESPN Plus. And then last year when Hamilton came out, we were I was forced to buy Disney Plus. So I got the package. With oh, don't Hulu. act like you were forced. You yeah, loved it. You loved it. I, I do love it. Oh, now the truth I, comes I had out. to add it, though. So I, for $12 a month, I get Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus, And it's a great value. Yeah. I watch... I, I loved watching ESPN Plus for the the college basketball. You could get all the college yeah. basketball games you wanted. I mean, it's all there. So Brad can, Barnes doing play-by-play sometimes. There I would go. watch Brad Barnes all the time doing slew hoops. Yep. That was Love a great that. way to get slew hoops. So I would I would do that so I could watch my slew, uh, slew Billikens. And then one other note as we open things up here. This is a seminal date in the history of American sports one year ago today. We'll get back to the second quarter of our game in just a moment. I'm Scott Van Pelt. Some breaking news out of Oklahoma City. The game between the Thunder and the Jazz has just been postponed. We will bring in Royce Young in just a moment. want to show you the scene as the situation, uh, frankly, feels like it's deteriorating right before our eyes across the country. Uh, the Jazz and Thunder on the floor getting ready to play, and both teams pulled off the floor. Rudy Gobert was one of several players for the Jazz ruled out with illness. Uh, The officials were on the headsets. They then left the floor. There was a period of time where, uh, frankly, I think that nobody in the building knew for certain what was going on. There was some of the halftime entertainment on the floor, uh, trying to just, I guess, stall for time to figure out what's going to happen. And now the game's been postponed. Mm. 
that was when it hit me because we were watching that game at home. Yeah. And that's when it hit me. Boy, this is real and this is serious. And then the next day, Dan, you were doing the Cardinals-Marlins game. Baseball puts out an announcement. They send an email that we're suspending operations and the Cardinals and Marlins keep playing. Well, I'll start with you. What did you think? Were you watching that game, the the uh, basketball game? I remember at the time, the lead up to this, I didn't really understand that this was going to be as big of a deal as it was. Me neither. I, I thought it might be a, a hiccup in the road or a bump in the road. I had no idea really how serious this was going to be because in my mind, I always thought, well, they're not going to shut sports down. I mean, come on, they're never going to shut sports down. From the financial aspect alone, there's no way that's going to happen. And when Rudy Gobert, when the Rudy Gobert incident happened and they stopped everything, it was like the record scratch, that's when I think all of us went, oh boy, we better Uh, buckle up. This is going to be serious. I was watching that game too. I was doing laundry and uh, I thought, I remember calling, I was doing the game the next day for television uh, in Jupiter. I called Rick Ankeel and I said, there's no way we're playing. I thought they're going to shut this whole thing down. And remember at that time, too, they were starting to shut down other things or at least keep fans out of conference tournaments. Yep. And so we go to the ballpark the next day, and uh, everybody's talking about it, obviously. And we still were, uh, still were able to meet on the field and do the Mike Shield press conference socially distant. At that point, you weren't allowed to go in the clubhouse. They had made that rule, so you, weren't, you couldn't go in and, and visit with players. And I asked Mike Schild, I said, had you seen what uh, happened the night before? And he said, no. He said, I didn't. I was in bed, but I've been informed, and we're taking the proper precautions. Major League Baseball has told us to play this game, which was shocking. We went upstairs. We did our uh, open down on the field. We went to to go do, um, and I, I know we're running late to a little bit of a break, but it is kind of interesting. But we went up to, to do the, the game. And in, in, if you guys have been there, in the press box there is where the uh, the scouts go, the media goes. It's very tight-knit because it's a minor league ballpark, and there's a television there. And I remember going in and watching, I think it was the ACC tournament, or it could have been the, the Big Ten or mm-hmm. Big 12. It doesn't matter. And I went in to grab a sandwich, and all the scouts were there, and they were flipping through on ESPN, and all these conference tournaments started to shut down. Then the the scouts are on the phones with their various teams saying, this thing's going to get shut down. And we're all sitting there trying to say, why are we playing? And Ricky and Keel had called out to the Boris group and and said, hey, what are you hearing? Because he's obviously Scott Boris has got players everywhere across Major League Baseball. And they said, you're probably going to play, but this thing's going to get shut down. And, and so we went to our booth and we didn't see any. The, the fans are starting to get it's, it's like packing the place. Yeah. It was crazy. Like people, it was like nothing was going on. The place is packed, but there was nobody from either team on the field until about ten minutes before the first pitch. And my assumption was, and I later found out, all the players were on the phone, you know, saying, "Are we playing this thing?" You know, mm-hmm. they're calling agents, they're calling other players around other teams. No one was stretching. No one was getting loose. And then everyone, you know, you'd see a guy trickle out there, and they played the game. And then in the middle of the game, we found out. Hey, by the way, Major League Baseball is shutting down, and we completed the game. It, wow. it was the oddest thing. And then you could start seeing fans in the stands getting, because they did a press release, people talking on the phone, and it was just like a murmur across mm-hmm. the crowd, like, what is going on? And that was the day, March 12th, that sports officially shut down. What a day today, tomorrow, the one-year anniversary, and then what a year since. Mm. Coming up, we've got a quick sick of it for you on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. 
Hey, what are you sick of? We want to know. 65780, that's an air comfort service text line with Michelle and Dan. I'm Randy Kids. I've been sick of the NCAA for a long time, and I am sick of the NCAA now. Okay. All right? We don't need all of these ridiculous conference tournaments in basketball. Right now, Thursday and oh. Friday, we should be starting our 320-team NCAA ah. tournament. We should be going with 64 teams. The top 64 teams have buys. And starting today, we should be cutting down from 256 teams that are playing this weekend to 128. That's today and tomorrow. And then on Saturday and Sunday, go from 128 to 64. The following week, the 64 teams with buys are back in it. So we go from 128 to 64 again, and then 64 to 32. Week three of our expanded NCAA tournament, 32 teams to 16 and 16 to 8. And then in the finale on Thursday, we go from 8 to 4. On Saturday, we go from 4 to 2. And then on Monday, we play the championship game of the NCAA tournament. I'm sick of the 68-team NCAA tournament. Let everybody in and let 320 teams participate in a massive NCAA tournament that has us missing work for four weeks. Okay, so... If everybody's in, won't that dilute the regular season? Won't won't teams not care as much no, because every, they know they just have no. to get hot at the right time? It's the way it is right now. If you win your conference tournament, you're in the NCAA tournament anyway. Well, let me let me take a big picture view of this. Aren't they already all in in essence? Yes, but <laughs> here's the thing. Would you care more about an NCAA bracket this weekend or would you care more about conference tournaments? Well, I do like the conference tournaments. I enjoy them. I love Arch Madness. And I always say, Randall, in my life, and this is a bad thing to say, follow the money. So conference tournaments generate a lot of money, a lot of interest. I love Arch Madness. I love what it does for our city. It's been here since, uh, well, it's, what, the 91, 92? Yeah, almost 30 I mean, years. Yeah. I, you know, brings in millions of dollars every you know, normally, not yep. this past weekend. It, it brings in a lot of interest and a lot of money. I, I think you can't do it. It won't happen. Like no. I, I understand what your premise is, well, I, and, and I get and it. Here's the thing with money. You're, CBS is paying $7 billion. billion. $7 yeah. billion for the NCAA tournament. Add 20% to that. Oof. Add another $1.4 billion. I guarantee you the, the conference tournaments aren't making that. But do you want to take that uh, revenue out of your city? Oh, it... The tournament will still go into various cities. It's, okay. So St. Louis will get their fair share of NCAA tournament games and appearances. I don't like it. I like the conference tournaments. I think it's cool to crown a champion for that particular year in your conference. I'm sick of the NCAA having such a great opportunity and not taking advantage of it. Michelle. You know, Dan, after last segment, listening to you <laughs> go back through the day that sh- that sports shut down, I am sick of COVID-19 yeah. still being around. I'm sick of it still impacting us on a day, day, day-to-day basis. And I know so many people have lost their lives. They've lost their jobs. We've lost our sense of normalcy. I know all of those things are still very pervasive and awful. But from a sports perspective, if you would have told me on that day a year ago that we would still be dealing with this and the manner in which we are today, I would have said, no way. Because at that time, even though things were getting shut down, I think most of us thought, well, this is just 
just going to be temporary. This isn't going to last an entire year. Right. So to think that it's a year later and we're still dealing with it, sick Crazy. of it. I'm sick of it. I am sick of cardboard cutouts as I'm watching. <laughs> I am. I, I, I actually just am. I, I understand it was a necessary uh, portion of, of what we had to deal with with these games. And, 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 and they'd served a purpose. Don't get me wrong. It was good to have them. I think it filled up the building. I thought what they did for the Super Bowl was awesome. Uh-huh. It looked like yeah, a full stadium. It really did. Uh, I thought it was great for baseball games just to have a, a shot on your television. To Hey, you guys had your cardboard cutouts that we made sure to have in the camera angle to, to give you your prop. We do appreciate that. Of course. It's on Michelle's Twitter page, right? It is. Oh, it's my header. And by the way, I gave it to my parents, and my mom will move it around the house and send me pictures. (laughs) So my parents will sit down for dinner, and my cardboard cutout will be at the tables. (laughs) So as I'm hearing about different municipalities open up as it pertains to sports, and as I'm seeing, uh, I was watching MLB Network last night, and there's socially distanced crowds. Uh, I'm happy just to see fans in the stands, and I, I, I do see empty ballparks. I mean, they're not full. But it, it's still better to see live sporting events with people, even though it's not a full stadium. It's just better. I, I don't like seeing. I'm just sick of the cardboard cutouts. Yeah, I, right. I really am. Yeah. That's a good one. It, but I again, I'm not disparaging them. They, they served a purpose, but this is I'm sick of it. So I'm, I'm, I'm sick it. of those. By the way, did I tell you that for many days, this wasn't just a one time thing. Darby Shaw, wherever my cardboard cutout was, she would see it and just bark furiously really? for a long time. <laughs> In the house? In the house, yeah. Does that mean that she doesn't like you? or She just thought another person was in the house. Oh, okay. All right. That's really funny. That was pretty good. Emily, what do you got for us? From the 636, I'm sick of the pace in the MLB. Enforce your bleeping rules, Rob. I don't disagree with that. (laughs) I don't either. You know, they they instituted the three batter minimum, and it didn't make one bit of difference. One bit of difference. Matter of fact, I think the pace of play last year was 3.04 or 3.06, three hours and four minutes or six minutes. And I'm with you. I, what I would like to see being used in these spring training games is either a pitch clock or, and they've done this in the minor leagues and they've done this in the Arizona Fall League as well, pitch clock or what they did a few years ago is if there's not a foul ball or there's not um, uh, hit by pitch or ball in play, make sure the batter keeps his yep. foot in the box and institute that he's got to stop stepping out and fiddling with his batting gloves and all the different things that go with it. Move this thing along. Move it along. Agreed. Let's go. From the 434, sick of it. Tired of all of the Alex Reyes bullpen talk. The kid is electric and ready to start. He has battled two significant injuries, lost weight, and dealt with family struggles. He has a strong bulldog mentality, great stuff, and has proven more than any of the others. He deserves it. I totally understand where fans are coming from with this. And as a matter of fact, I had even said it's time to take the training wheels off with him months ago. I understand, though, what the team is trying to do with him and with the fact that Major League Baseball in this particular year, I think if it was a different year, we might be having a different conversation. But with the truncated season, the lack of innings for guys, and the fact that there are going to be injuries, and there's going, and even if there are injuries in the starting rotation, you're not going to put him in the rotation this year. But there's going to be guys that just don't go deep in the games. The analytics tell you that you only go two times through a lineup, which I don't like. Um, but that's just the way they play the game. He's going to get a lot of innings. He's going to get close to probably 85 to 100 innings. I, I just think that they have to be very careful with him. 
I know that some fans don't like that. And with the injuries that they've already had in the rotation, I like what they're going to do with him. And he's going to be used in a vital role. So I'm okay with it. They're going to play 25 weeks this season. He's going to start innings clean. And two times a week, he's going to come in and throw two innings. So he's going to throw four innings a week. That's going to get him to his 100 innings. And as you said, Dan... The Cardinals don't have a lot of guys that go past five anyway. Right. So he'll have plenty of opportunities to pitch either fifth and sixth or sixth and seventh innings, starting them clean. He's not going to be a guy, he's not going to be a fireman that comes in when there's a runner at third and one out to get a strikeout. That's the way he'll be utilized, and that's the way they'll try to build, build him up. I think it's going to be a great and effective role for him, but I, too, would like to see him be a starting pitcher at some point. I get it. <laughs> I, I, If we're talking, if he comes out of this season clean and has a good year, we're not even talking about him being in the bullpen. He's in the yeah. rotation. Yeah. That's a done deal. You've got uh, Dakota Hudson coming back. You, you should have a very good rotation. And you probably, well, KK's up. Wayno, always in the last year of his contract. Martinez in the last year of his contract. Michaelis, you can't knows. count on him. So there's going to be plenty of opportunities in the rotation next y- year, too. Yes. Um, the other thing, too, by the way, if you guys are doing a morning and on the heels of a game in which it was 3-2 to two against the Cubs and you brought in Alex Reyes in the seventh and he went in the seventh and the Cardinals were leading and, and he had six up, six down, you're going, man, I really love that Alex Reyes in that role, <laughs> yeah. don't you? Right. You know, we'll, we'll see how it plays Trevor out. Rosenthal. We, yeah. if Trevor Rosenthal wanted to start forever and I wanted him to start, but I also liked having him get 48 saves. Yeah, so <laughs> I get it. Greg Amsinger, MLB Network, joins us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Dan McLaughlin, Randy Character. We head to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line, and we're running late for Greg Amzinger. We appreciate him being patient. 30 clubs in 30 days on MLB Network. The Marlins are today, yesterday, and we're watching right now the Washington Nationals. Greg, good morning. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm using every opportunity to chat with these players uh, to my advantage. I'll give you a quick story. The other day, we're doing the 30-30 for the Cardinals. And Adam Wainwright is making the whole crew laugh during commercial break. We do the interview with Wayno, and I say afterwards off the air, hey, man, I know Turner Sports is going to come after you. Don't sign with them until you sit on the set with me, Harold, and Dan. I know Dan McLaughlin's charm is going to try to lure you into the booth with the Cardinals. <laughs> Don't buy it. He's not that nice. You want to sit on the set with us. You want to sit on the set with us. So the recruiting war has already started. My man, we have already spoken, and we've been doing it for years. You're late to the game. You're late hey, to the game. Hey, listen, John Calipari sometimes got late to the game, and he would still sign the McDonald's All-American. Hey, so you know, it doesn't matter what time you jump in. You just got to jump so in. So you're saying like Calipari, you guys have more money. Exactly. And I was just going to say that. Exactly. <laughs> money talks. Duffel bags. <laughs> I didn't say that. You did. So, Greg, you've been doing this for a long time. You've interviewed Scherzer many times. Do you still stare at his eyes? Yes. It's a, it's a weird, but yet uh, lovely. At the same time, I've grown to appreciate it. He's one of my favorite dudes in the world, man. Uh, we kind of had a gag yesterday to begin the whole show about how he, he is sleep-deprived, although it didn't look like it against the Cardinals the other day. I mean, he was off the charts. But he's got two little ones at home. He's become a, a machine at changing diapers, and he's, his wife is pregnant for a third. So this guy, I don't know how he's doing it. 
But at the age of 36, his last year of his contract, I said it on the air, it is the greatest $200-plus million contract in baseball history. I know there aren't a ton of them, but his work, his was amazing, and he should be proud of how well he performed during that contract. Greg, speaking of uh, 30 clubs in 30 days, I loved your interview with Nolan Arenado. I could feel how excited you were to talk to him. We know how much you think of him as a player and as a, a person. But I loved his answer when you asked him about being with the club and how he talked about how different guys on the team, including Yadi or Molina, are the hardest working guys he's ever been around. How Yadi's there at 7 in the morning giving instruction to some of the younger pitchers, or excuse me, some of the younger catchers. And Randy and I talked about it. It seems like so many people on this Cardinals team are in a competition to outwork the next guy. It's so true. And, you know, Dan can speak to this being in spring training camp for as many years as he's been there watching these guys. And then you get a chance to dip your toe into another camp. It's different. It is a unique fraternity, St. Louis Cardinal baseball. And that is instilled with the history of the organization. And the late Bob Gibson, the late Stan, the man, these guys were around all the time. They brought their great legends into camp constantly. And for some reason, there are other organizations that choose to push those guys away. I don't understand that. There's a synergy with Cardinal baseball that instills work ethic uh, before these baseball players are worth hundreds of millions of dollars. That's why Car- the Cardinals have, have connected the dots in so many ways, from their history to their future. And young guys like Matthew Liberatore, he understands it. Like You can talk to him, and he'll tell you everything you need to know about the Cardinal history. So Nolan Arenado is, is honored to be wearing the birds on the bat. And think about everything he's already done in the game. That tells you the kind of culture the Cardinals have created. Hey, did, Greg, did you guys uh, see what Yachty did with the uh, Youngster Siri the other day when he was on the bases? And, and It was awesome. Did you do a little <laughs> breakdown of that uh, on MLB tonight? You know, I, when I asked uh, Nolan Arenado during the interview that Michelle alluded to about playing with Yachty, I said, look, I remember when the blood was dripping down your, your eyebrow after you won a game and, and you were losing your mind. You're just the most competitive dude. I think you met your match with Yachty or Molina. And he agreed, and he referred to the moment where the kid is leaning off and he snapped, throw down the bag, and the kid gives him the Matumbo finger, and Yachty looked like he was 19 years old again. Like, go ahead, man, let's see what you got. That, to me, in a spring training game, not only did it impress me, but it fired up Nolan Arenado. It's firing up a, a, a potential future Hall of Famer because he's in awe of this future Hall of Famer in, in Yachty or Molina. The, the, Yachty loves the game. And that is what comes out. It's not just his instincts and his IQ, but he loves the game, and we need more of that. Hey, Greg, we had Jeff Passan on the show yesterday, and he's really concerned about the Cardinals starting pitching. He really thinks they should have signed Odorizzi because he has questions about Wainwright at 39, Martinez coming back. You don't know about KK. Obviously, Michaelis is dealing with his physical issues right now. What's your concern level with the Cardinals starting pitching? I'm not. I'm not. I think this team has built a lot of, uh, of young depth uh, in their organization. Carlos Martinez so far looks good. I know it's hard to depend on him with his track record, but you're paying him last year of his deal. You might as well see what you got there. Uh, but I love the John Gant experiment. The other day I heard he looked terrific. He's got swing and miss. It's something he wants to do. I interviewed him during the winter caravan, and he is so motivated to, to take the ball every fifth day. Oviedo, worst-case scenario, I know they want this guy to come out of the bullpen and get you multiple innings. But, man, his body, everything about him looks like he could be an every fifth-day guy. The kid down there, Thompson, love him. And I think Matthew Libertor is one of the top pitching prospects in the game. And I'll give you a prediction. I said this off the air the other day. I to- Actually, I told our friend Keith Costas this. We talk Cardinal baseball every single day. We're such fanboys. It's hilarious. But I said to him, I go, 10 years from now, 
the Cardinals will have won the Randy Arozarena trade. Ten years from now, looking back on the deal, I know it sounds crazy. Matthew Libertor is that talented. To meet him, you'll never forget this kid. He's wise beyond his years. Uh, his parents raised him the right way, and he's going to take that mantle. He's the next Wainwright, in my opinion, for the Cardinals. So I think the young depth is okay, and I don't think you need to overspend for a guy like Jake Odorizzi, not at all. So, Greg, we also had Keith on the show yesterday, and I started off by thanking him for the Cardinal love, and he's couching himself as this bastion of journalistic integrity, how oh, everything is so balanced on hot stove. Do not buy that. Do not buy that. I swear I saw a Cardinal tattoo on his lower back. <laughs> lower back, Greg? Wow. Stamp there. I love it. <laughs> you got to ask him about it. Wow. Is it just the STL logo? Is it the birds on the bat? We need more of a description here. <laughs> yeah, it's got like thorns. It's like a branch. And yeah, it's got like a fighting Cardinal, I think. But, you know, he was just, he was walking around in a crop top. So you got to ask Keith about it. I'm assuming Bob doesn't have one. <laughs> okay, I just had to check. Assuming, uh, you know, that's a, that's a fair assessment, Dan. Fair okay, assessment. thanks. Uh, speaking of pitchers, Greg, so the, the Cardinals are going to have Alex Reyes come out of the bullpen. A lot of people here, we were just talking about this, actually. A lot of people here were wondering if this was the year that we're finally going to see him in the rotation. But looks like that's going to be pushed back once again. But what are your thoughts on what you've seen out of Alex Reyes so far this spring? He's been looking great. He's amazing. You know, his brother works with us at MLB Network. I think I told you guys this before, and I chat with him all the time about the shape his brother is in. Alex is in, in tremendous shape. The arm is just got everything's got late life to it. I kind of I was taken back by the 100 innings limitation they dropped on him. To me, that automatically means okay, we're going to have this guy in the bullpen. If things get hairy, and we're going to be in the in the postseason mix. Don't be shocked if Alex Reyes takes the ball to give you four or five, right? Like when things get down to the wire and maybe we're dealing with injuries in our rotation, Alex Reyes has become the safety net. He might end up becoming the most valuable arm for the 2021 Cardinals. The talent's off the charts. We know that. Jordan Hicks, I mean, doesn't look like he's throwing hard on here and he's hitting easy 101-102. So he's going to reclaim that closer role. There was some talk that maybe Reyes would be the guy. They've got tons of depth in that bullpen. I think that's where he should start. But that innings limitation, to me, means he's going to get some spot starts when it matters most. Look for that. Hey, Greg, we saw that Joey Votto tested positive for COVID-19. Kind of a general question now, league-wide. Are you hearing that some of the players are, are starting to get vaccinated at, at various sites? Or, or what are you hearing as we get closer to opening day? The vaccinations are coming. I don't know if they've been spread out to the players yet. That was one of the reasons why they wanted to delay the season for a month to make sure when players showed up, there were vaccines on hand and being doled out. At the moment, I'm not hearing that. That is the number one effort at the moment for Major League Baseball before opening day is what I'm hearing, that they really want these guys vaccinated before April 1st. Time is ticking away. I'm not sure if that's going to happen because, as you know, Johnson & Johnson did not give the number that I think Major League Baseball was hoping for for that single-dose vaccination. They're on top of this. They're in communication with the FTC nonstop. Uh, but that is the goal at the moment. They want, if you're a fan of the Cardinals, they're going to have the vaccine in their arms. If they choose to take it uh, before opening day, that is the goal. Last thing for Greg Amzinger, here we are about two weeks into spring training games. Is there one overarching storyline that you're seeing so far in spring training in the early early schedule of games? Yeah, you know what it is? Uh, there's buzz around this, the Kansas City Royals. 
I think uh, a lot of our guys are going, wait a minute, all this talk about maybe the Twins going out and spending money, the Chicago White Sox, that this is just destined that those two teams will take the AL Central because the Indians are down at the trading Lindor. Do not overlook what Mike Matheny is doing with the Kansas City Royals. Adalberto Mondesi in the last uh, 30 games of the regular season was one of the best players in baseball, not just one of the best players in the Royals. He was one of the best players in baseball. They made some sleepy moves there. Carlos Santana brings a ton of leadership to any team he's on, and he makes all the Latin players, the younger Latin guys, just mature at a higher rate. I I just like this team. They've invested in young arms. Uh, don't be surprised. I mean, as we know, Mike Matheny took a lot of criticism during his days as manager of the Cardinals, but he's done nothing but win. He showed up in Kansas City. It's a team that towards the end of that 60-game schedule looked like they were improving. I think the Kansas City Royals will be one of the two most improved teams in the American League. The most improved team, you ask? You didn't ask, but I'll tell you anyway. I think the Angels, I think the Angels win the West. This is going to wow. be the year where Mike, Mike Trout will get to the ALCS. That's a prediction. I like that. Does Bobby Witt make that team with Kansas City? I mean, he looks amazing, doesn't he? He's already looks like a grown man. I think they're going to slow the clock down, but at some point this year, if they're close, he'll be. They they won't make a huge trade deadline acquisition, but he will be in the big leagues because he's just taking the cover off the baseball right now. Spring training, no doubt. A high of sixty-eight and sunny where you are today. We're going to have wind and rain here. So, are you going to get out on the golf course? Yeah, you know, temp greens right now. I'm not a big fan of that at the club. I, although, you know, I, I guess it gives you this false sense of confidence. Whoa, I just drove <laughs> yeah. the ball 40 yards away from the temp green. <laughs> so maybe that's what I need. I need to go do that today, Randy. You're right. All right. Have a great day. We always love talking to you, my man. Thank you very much. All right. You're all the best. Look forward to it. See you, Greg. Greg Amzinger, product of the Lindenwood University, a native of St. Louis and lead anchor for MLB Network, joining us here on 101 ESPN. I was, as you guys know, very high on Kansas City this offseason. I I really like them. I think they're going to be very good. They did a good job. Dayton Moore did a good job. And by all accounts, we talked about it last year, Dan. Mike Matheny has made the necessary changes. Hopefully he's made them from a bullpen perspective. But from a personality perspective in dealing with people and playing well with others, he's... He's a different guy now. I, I just saw a different team. From what I saw at the beginning of their season, when we saw them at the beginning of the year against the Cardinals, and then at the end of the year, that was a different team. That was a good team. When Carlos mm-hmm. Martinez, remember, made that bad start, it was his last start of the year, that was a tough three-game series for the Cardinals, yeah. and they had to win those games, and I think they dropped two or three in Kansas City. They were much better. I mean, you could just see the improvement that Kansas City had made. So I think they're going to be very good this year. I really do. Take it or leave it is coming your way next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. We just wanted to make sure you're paying attention. That's right. So you you are. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. 65780 for a little game of take it or leave it with Michelle and Dan and Randy. And I this might be better for tomorrow, but we'll have to do it today. Uh, Jason Tatum, St. Louis and Boston Celtic, has not been seen out in public yet with his girlfriend since the pandemic started. His girlfriend, LMA, and uh, Jason are getting closer together, however. It's a wonderful thing, and uh, they're doing so in many ways, including by her dressing Jason. She's providing him with a little bit of a, uh, 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 well, I I guess a wardrobe, wardrobe suggestions. Uh, take it or leave it. That's a great way for a guy and a girl to get closer. By having the Her provide significant him with other yeah. dress him? Yeah. Absolutely. And props to him for being open to that. 
because some some guys have fashion sense. I know I'm sure Jason already inherently does, but that's something that more guys should be open to to letting their significant others say maybe not the golf shirt today. Maybe let's try this. I'm lost. So what are they doing? They, they're That's ha- how they're getting closer. Is she so wait a minute. This, this is not for an event. This is just in general. This is just in general, yeah. This is- she dresses him every day. Well, I don't know if it's every day, but she does dress him, which is good. It's fine. Does Joan dress you because you're colorblind? Pretty much. Well, yeah, pretty much. I, uh, I don't <laughs> buy many of my own clothes, Dan. Well, you have a lot of swag. I noticed that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do. You, you got the BMW championship today. Yes, I today. do. That's going today. Tomorrow, what are you going to have? Tomorrow is Blues Hockey Day, right? Yeah. That's right. They'll probably go with the Stanley Cup Champions Blues pullover or something like that. It depends on how warm it is outside. Have you guys seen me any- wear anything other than black? No. Yeah. I wear black. Well, Shannon. Some, days when you, <laughs> some days when you have to emcee something, yeah, I've seen come you come in. in with the blazer on. Or, yeah. Yeah. You've, you have, when you need to whip it out, Dan, whip yeah. out your style, you will. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, you're talking about the clothes yes. and um, it's yeah the, the sweatshirts and the, the various things that I have to do. Absolutely, yeah. you have many blazers, nice button downs, ties, all of these things. Yeah, that's exactly that's how I like to roll. And um, there's a lot of I have about ten different sweatpants that I will whip out and sweatshirts and hats. Actually, I got about thirty hats. You have, you do have a lot of hats. Yeah. Which one's this one today? Oakmont. Nice. nice. Got the chance to play Oakmont one time, or no, probably about five or six different times. That was a thrill. Oakmont's a really cool. nice place. You know, as a kid, that was Mark Bulger's home course. I know. I think he may set up. He may have set it up one time for me. Oh, really? Yeah. That was about as good as it gets in Pittsburgh. Pretty cool. Oh yeah, awesome. Take uh, it or leave it. No, fresh take. No, no, take, take it, it or leave it. it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm jumping ahead to we're the 8 o'clock hour. We're all discombobulated because normally we have music yeah. that plays yeah. underneath here. Yes. We're, we're having going. technical difficulties, and so we are, uh, it doesn't feel like Teal, even though it is Teal, but I have one for you guys. So we feel good about the Cardinals. We feel great about the acquisition of Nolan Arenado. We feel good about their place in the division, at least their chances in the division. But then I read headlines like this, guys, that David Price is open to pitching out of the bullpen because the Dodgers have such a stacked rotation. They have such elite talent that he might have to come out of the bullpen. Take it or leave it. That's discouraging for any other fan base in baseball. Yeah, I'll take that. So you want David Price where? I'm just saying the, the fact that, that, that he's so good and he might he have to go to the bullpen because of all the talent they already have in the rotation. I'm I'm I'll be honest, I'm taking or leaving. I'm I'm a little off my game I, in this segment. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, we're, Clearly we're, I am. We're, we're a mess. <laughs> so. Six five seven eight oh is the air comfort service text line. And Emily, what do you got for us? <laughs> <laughs> From the four three four, take it or leave it. Yachty continues to play until he can throw Siri out in the majors. Uh, yeah, I'll take that if Siri ever makes the majors. Yeah, Yachty will play until they um, whip off the uh, <laughs> the jersey off of him. Mm-hmm. I, I do. I think until they take it off, till they rip that thing off, the, he is not going to come out of the uh, major leagues. He's going to play next year. As long as he has a decent year, he's coming out next year. I, I do. I think he'll come back next year. 
I do, because he's going to play. I put the over under at 120 games. Mm-hmm. He's going to play over 120 games. I'm going to go with the over there yeah. as well. I definitely think, well, he's already made it known that he wants to come back another year. Yeah. So I would not be surprised. And it'll be in a Cardinal uniform is my guess. Hope so. Yeah. From the 636, take it or leave it. The first four Cardinal bats on opening day will be Edmund, Carlson, Goldie, Arenado. I'm going to leave it, even though I think that's what it should be. But I keep seeing Mike Schultz change things around with Goldie in the two-hole. And I kind of think that he likes danger in the two-hole like Tony did. I kind of think it might be Edmund, Goldie, Arenado, DeYoung, and then Carlson hitting fifth like yesterday. Really? Mm-hmm. You don't think that's just spring training? Let's experiment a little bit. But once the season opens up, we're going to go to the lineup that most people expect. I think the experimentation is with an eye towards making it happen. Mm. Because they're analytically inclined, and they do want to get as many at-bats as possible for Goldie and Arenado. And you do that by getting them up in the lineup. Who's going to protect those two? That's where I'm at. Who's going to protect those oh, two? Oh, your number four hitter, Paul DeYoung, 30 home run guy. All right. Uh, that's So it's about who hits in front of those guys. Yeah. And whoever well, whoever hits in front of those two has the best protection in the lineup. Right. That, that's not debatable. But where my concern comes is who is – so let's just say that uh, you go Goldie three, Arenado four. Who's five? I think DeYoung is. I, I, I think – Regardless of how the lineup is set up, Paul DeYoung is going to be hitting behind Arenado. You think, okay, so I, I, yeah, I think at this point I would go that way. I would love to see Carlson hit too because he's a young kid. And But the, here's the thing, though, with, with Carlson. He has got to be more aggressive early in counts. Mm-hmm. He's got to be. Yeah. And that was one of the things that when you look at the minor leagues, he wasn't aggressive early in counts, and he can get away with it because guys don't throw strikes. Mm-hmm. They throw strikes at the big leagues. So if you're going to get strikes... Hammer away. Yeah. And I kind of do like the idea of having that switch hitter, i.e. left-handed bat, down in the middle of the lineup at number five. Yeah. I, think I, I would be intrigued something by that. something to that. Yeah, for sure. That is Take It or Leave It on 101 ESPN. Thank you, Emily. Coming up next, what does it mean for Yadier, for the Cardinals to have Yadier Molina mentoring their young catchers? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Time for today's fresh take. And we were told yesterday that Yadier Molina is spending a lot of time with the young catchers. Now, Yadier's always worked with the young catchers, but sometimes they haven't been able to keep up with him, whether it's running or blocking pitches. Sometimes they go through all of the drills and everybody's sweating and the young catchers think they're done. And Yadier said, okay, time to run. (laughs) And it really shouldn't work that way. And we talked to Jeff Passan yesterday about the value that guys like Andrew Kisner and Yvonne Herrera are dealing with because they're in spring training with Yadier Molina. I think the Cardinals are very lucky they play in the National League Central. Their rotation worries me, and they had a chance to go out and sign Jake Odorizzi, uh, who I really think is exactly what they need. Innings pitched, um, you know, 165 a year for the six years leading up to last year, 30 starts a year, when you don't know what you're getting from Michaelis, when you're not sure what you're getting from Kim, when Adam Wainwright, uh, who was phenomenal in recent years, but is old, 
when when you have Flaherty, who may be innings limited this season. Carlos Martinez is a giant wild card. Alex Reyes is a reliever. Ponce de Leon's never done it for a season. You got guys, but how many do you have that you can rely on? I think that's the big question Cardinals fans are asking themselves right now, and it's a reasonable one. That being said, who's going to beat them in the Central? Maybe the Brewers? Don't think it's going to be the Cubs? Uh, certainly not going to be the Pirates. Uh, don't think it's going to be the Reds without Bauer. So uh, I, I look at them right now as the central favorites, but I don't see them going much further than that. And that's obviously Jeff Passon talking about what concerns him about the 2021 Cardinals. Yeah, and as it pertains to Yachty, I mean, everybody follows his lead and others, Arenado, Goldschmidt, and I'm intrigued, by the way, by the Brewers and what they've done. I mean, mm-hmm. adding Wong, uh, I, I think Kane coming back, it's going to be guys that are re That's one of the storylines of this year. The guys that sat out, the aforementioned David Price, Lorenzo Cain, some of the others that sat out 2020. But I, I'm with Jeff Passan. I mean, it's a division that is of intrigue where most look at it that it's a down division because there isn't a lot of movement within the division outside of Nolan Arenado. The Cubs have a good lineup. They don't have a lot of pitching, but I am fascinating to, fascinated to see if the Cubs get off to a good start, do they sell off? If they don't, they could be in this thing. Can they pitch? I would look at the Brewers as being maybe the best bullpen back end in, in uh, this division, even with the addition of uh, Jordan Hicks. But uh, the Cardinals, if they can get their pitching right by opening day, should be the team that I think a lot of teams look at to beat. Now, they've got to get their outfield situation mm-hmm. situated. The back end of that uh, lineup has got to perform. We'll see how it plays out. There's a lot of questions, but I also think with the Cardinals, there's so much potential. There's so many question marks with certain guys, especially from an offensive standpoint, that if they do progress or perhaps do ascend towards their ceiling, where are the Cardinals and what do they look like? And that's the thing that the Cardinals have to hope for. If you're the Mets and you have DeGrom and Stroman, and I know Carrasco is hurt but might be available for opening day. If you're the Dodgers and you have Bueller and Bauer, Bueller, Bauer, and Kershaw at the front of your rotation. If you're the Padres and you have you Darvish and Blake Snell, there are teams that have multiple studs at the front of their rotation that the Cardinals don't have, and the Cardinals need to have people emerge into those roles. I, I you know, and you're you're starting to think, Randy. I think if you get into those postseason series, mm-hmm. right? If you can have Jack Flaherty match up with their number one. That's what you have you to take have. Your chances, right? You, you got to have one of those guys that can match up. One of those guys that can say, "We have our stud that can match up with your guy." And I don't care if it's Walker Bueller or uh, Jacob Degrom, but he can go pitch to pitch with your guy. And don't forget, by the way, the Mets are going to get Noah Syndergaard at some yep. point back too, <laughs> so they're going to be pretty good. The other thing I look at with the Cardinals, if things get off to a slow start with the back end of the rotation, there's no reason to think you can't dip into your minor leagues. And that doesn't mean adding a guy or trading for a guy, too. That's something to think about. you you got to wonder with the finances of the game, what teams may do, and with the pending CBA, if some teams may be looking to unload. That's That's got to be kept in mind, too. For 162 games, I really like the Cardinals starting pitching depth better than most teams, yes. Dodgers aside. But for a playoff series, like you were talking about, I'll take a lot of other teams, including the Nationals, along with the Mets, Dodgers, Padres. But because of the four and five guys on many of those teams, they're going to have trouble getting in over the course of six months. Absolutely. And that's where I think Jeff Passan is saying, if you're in the Central Division, 
you can have some bad weeks, bad series, and be okay. I think that's where you look at it. That's today's Fresh Take. David Perron is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. He gets the job done on the ice every night. Perron, he tucked it in like you put the corner of his seat Joins Carriker and Smallman right now. Ronnie scores on 101 ESPN. Driven by Pure Performance, the only stop for all your aftermarket vehicle needs. With Michelle Smallman and Dan McLaughlin, I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN and great to go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and be joined by the guy who has the longest current active point streak in the NHL, David Perron, nine points in his last seven games. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? I'm good. How about you guys? Everything's great. You know, you've played seven games since you started coming on with us and here you are with that streak. I wonder if there's a correlation. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you're thinking about that stuff, but uh, I'm not really. I'm just trying to keep going day by day and uh, game after game, trying to do my thing. Um, and obviously, it's been a good road trip for us. Now that we're back, we've got a couple uh, games before we go back. So um, it'll be interesting. A good test against Vegas. David, what's it like to have Vladimir Tarasenko back out on the ice with you guys? And what have you thought of his play so far? Yeah, I mean it's it's exciting. I thought he was engaged. Uh, obviously, not not many games for him in the last couple of years. Uh, hard to get your timing back right away. Uh, but again, I, I thought he didn't really shy away from contact. Uh, he actually initiated some of it himself. Uh, obviously, it's to give himself confidence with with his uh, with his arm or his shoulder. So uh, it's great to see. I also think just the fact that he's out there, uh, regardless of his timing at this point. Uh, his presence for the other team, they have, they still know, they have to be aware that he's out there. You don't want to give him any time, any space, because you know he can um, really make a difference in the game. So uh, it helps uh, everyone out, I think, on the ice. David, you mentioned the timing, and you essentially missed a calendar year with the concussions uh, many years ago. What's the biggest challenge in coming back? Is it the timing or is it something else? Yeah, I mean, it's timing, it's uh, confidence uh, of of the injury, it's uh, going uh, day after day. You probably still have some stuff to iron out as far as uh, icing, warming up. Is Your warm-ups are probably different than they were before, uh, things like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to take some time, but it's, uh, at the same time, we've seen some, some really positive things uh, out of him. Uh, it was nice to, for him to get a... Got kind of an assist there. He sent it back to the point on Mikola's first NHL goal. Uh, you want to get some bounces early on just to to help you with confidence. That way, know you, that you can still make plays and produce. And uh, it's a key for him as well. David, what did you guys do on the West Coast when you weren't playing hockey or, or sitting in your room? Were you allowed to go to the pool? Can you play golf? Can you do anything outside of hockey? Yeah, well, uh, rules in California are pretty strict. To be honest with you. Uh, Interesting. Uh, we, uh, I think it was in L.A. and San Jose. Uh, when we had to grab our food for our meals, we had to take it and eat outside or back in our room. Or, uh, yeah, we could go kind of sit around the pool, I guess. And uh, that was the only nice part. It was nice weather the whole time there, probably 70, 75 the whole time we were there. So 
Um, it's not something we're used to as far as taking our food, uh, eating with plastic forks all the time and uh, containers. Uh, but it is what it is at this point. Uh, yeah, I guess the only thing we could do is go for walks around the, the hotel. Uh, there's really not much to do. Uh, just ha- kind of hang out uh, in a safe way as much as we can, talk about golf, whatever, watch golf on TV in our lounge. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's all we could do. David, do you have a favorite golfer? Uh, I'm, I'm a big Bryson fan, and even more that he helped me uh, winning last week. Uh, we got a... <laughs> We got our team DraftKings that we do all the time, just uh, just for fun, and uh, obviously it's always nice to take a couple bucks from the guys. Um, and uh, we got another one, a Players Championship this weekend coming up. So uh, hopefully I have a good team. I set I set mine up a little bit late last night. Not not as much information as I like to gather normally online to try and make my team, but. Uh, we'll see hopefully it works. David Perron with us on 101 ESPN. Okay, i got to go back to the pool thing because you guys are all in exceptional shape. But which Blues teammate loves to go out by the pool and show off his pecs and his abs more than anybody else? <laughs> uh, oh, I don't know. Uh, it's a good question. I think we like we all like to, to go out and, and hang out by the sun. Uh I don't think we really watch too much uh, each other's bodies, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm not saying you guys, for the women. No, I know. It might it might be for someone else to, to, to answer that question. I don't know. Like, I know everyone likes to go when, when we can. Uh, I don't really have an answer for you. I'm not sure exactly. Like, I haven't been out too much because uh, we had, had a couple uh, phone calls to make on some of the two day, days off we had. Uh, again, watch golf and stuff like that. But, yeah. David, you have the Vegas Golden Knights coming up, and even though Alex Petrangelo isn't going to be out there on the ice, it got me thinking about how many times you've probably had to play against someone that you're friends with. Is that difficult for you to compartmentalize that, or is it just when the game starts, it doesn't really matter who the opposition is? Uh, a little bit of both. Uh, definitely, I think I made some really strong connections when I was uh, in Vegas, even though it was just one year, the, the way our year happened how special it was, how tight we had to become to, to become a team, really. Um, yeah, so, so there's there's some guys still over there uh, that I'm, I'm still very close to, and some not as much. But I think when you, when the puck drops, you're trying to not talk. You're trying to, to leave that stuff for either before, during the day, night before, or even after a game in a normal year. If you can go over there, maybe have a chat with, with some of your buddies and uh, or even let, let's say a night like tonight, I could usually have dinner with Jonathan Marsha, so Vegas, I'm, who I'm close with. Uh, but uh, obviously this year we can't. So uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a little bit different. I think Petro for the first time uh, playing his, his ex teammates would probably be a tough one for him, um, and probably even more tough to be honest to be watching from home. I'm sure he'd be he'd be wanting to be come back to St. Louis, be out there. Uh, and, and the sooner you get that first one out of the way, I feel like you can move on after that. So uh, we'll see what happens the next time when it, that he's able to come to St. Louis. David, how much video do you guys use, especially for a team that you haven't seen a ton of this year like Vegas? Um, it, I mean, it, it all depends on the, the way our team play has been uh, recently. Um, for a lot of the systems that teams do, and, and even more so our team, I think it's it's always falling back to us. Uh, all have we played, and yes, there's always adjustment. We play the LA Kings that are really tight in the neutral zone where they try and slow you down, and uh, we have some special plays that we're trying to make to 
to break that down. Uh, but some teams are pretty straightforward. I feel like Vegas is one of them. And uh, it depends on the coaching staff, what they want to, what type of message they want to bring. I think it's special teams are really a key. Uh, every every guy, let's say like Steve Otter, will go in and really break down that, uh, their power play so our penalty kill can go to work. Uh, and then same thing with Jim Montgomery. I think we've our power plays uh, recently had more success in the last uh, road trip, actually. And, and the last two games with Vladdy back, we scored in back-to-back games. I think the... The two games before that, we went four for five. So it's starting to click, and uh, we're really starting to understand Monty's message, and we want to keep uh, pushing that forward. It was a year ago that that COVID shut down the NBA. Um, what do you remember about a year ago in the NHL and, and that getting shut down for you and your teammates? It's hard to believe it's been a year, but what do you remember about that? Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, it feels uh, shorter and longer at the same time. There's different ways to see it. I remember being in Anaheim, uh, our last game that we played that night, and I, I was on my phone around like 4 o'clock, which was 7 Eastern or, or 6 Central. And uh, I just saw, like, yeah, the NBA was going to shut down because I think one of the guys tested positive. They shut down the game, and there was rumored they're going to shut down the season. <laughs> I went back to the locker room, and I was like, wow, I think, uh, boys, I think our season is going to be over tonight. And they're like, what are you talking about? So, I mean, everyone was kind of aware of of what was happening, but not to a point where it was going to shut down in a way so quickly. So, um, yeah, it's been a crazy year for everyone. Uh, it's been tough on, on a lot of people, a lot of buddies back home that have uh, businesses, and uh, they're really, uh, in a way, struggling and working as hard as they can to, to keep it afloat and stuff like that. I'm sure many of the people that we know here in St. Louis, same thing. So my heart goes out to them. That's so well put. Um, I, I want to ask you about the... The pro athletes in terms of, and by the way, you, you put that very, very well about people that are not in sports and not pro athletes, but I do want to ask you about a pro athlete that then it was shut down, then you go to a bubble, then all of a sudden you shut down again, and now you fired up again. So it's been the oddest of years. How do you think he has, has held up to, to start, stop, and start again? And how do you think that has worked with the NHL in, in trying to make sure that your body is in good condition for this year and going forward? I think you just go day by day and you can't worry too much about some of that stuff. Uh, whether we're shut down in a week or not, at this point, you just never know. Maybe there's could be a couple of cases. It changes your whole schedule. Uh, we've seen it early in the year. It seems like every team has uh, started to really take a good hold of it. And there's, there's a, they've been limiting, like if there's one, that, one guy that tests positive, they've been really limiting that to one or two guys, which is great to see. That way we can keep our schedule moving. I mean, it's been hard. Like, I, I also had surgery in November, I think, or October, uh, sports hernia. Uh, that was something that I had for a while. And uh, definitely there's there's small issues at time with stuff, but uh, you're trying to keep it uh, going, uh, going day by day, not overthinking too much. And um, in a way, we're lucky to do what we do right now. We're lucky to be employed and and uh, making the money that we make. So we're trying to, to I mean, I'm always trying to think, think about that stuff as well. David Brown back on the ice at practice today and then back-to-back games against the Knights tomorrow night and Saturday night. Have fun. Keep it going. Thanks for your time, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. You got it. See it. That is David Perron, Blues Winger, with us on 101 ESPN. Thank you for saying that. Thank you, David Perron, for saying that. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for saying I'm employed and for making the money that I make. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Good perspective. Uh, oh.
and he gets it. He's yes. Thank you for yeah. saying that. Yeah. So he's a good guy. More to have. people need yeah. to understand that in pro sports. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Coming up, it's the fight on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Character. Welcome back to Character and Smallman with Danny Mac here on 101 ESPN. It's 836. That time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex, Rolex jeweler. And it is time for the fight. Randy's competition today is Josh. Good morning, Josh. How's your morning so far? Great. How about you, Michelle? We're doing great. Josh, how are you? Everything doing uh, going well? What do you do for a living? <laughs> yeah, Danny Mac. I, uh, I'm actually on my way to work at a law firm. So uh, that's what I got going on this morning. Are you a lawyer? Um, in in the works, in the midst. That's what I'm working on. So All okay. Right. Well, good luck to you. Good luck Thank to you. you. All right. Are you ready to go to take on the great Randy Carricker? As ready as one can be. <laughs> Absolutely. Good luck to you, my man. Good luck, Josh. All right. Question Thanks. number one. On this day in 1892, the first public basketball game was played. Where did it take place? Was it Nashville, Tennessee? Springfield, Massachusetts, or Iowa City, Iowa? Um, I know Springfield is the home of the Hall of Fame, so I will go with uh, Springfield, Massachusetts. Happy 28th birthday to Anthony Davis. Where did A.D. play college basketball? Kentucky? Kentucky. Oh. Oh, Josh. All right. All right. Okay. Question number three for you. To what city did the Blues almost move in the early 80s? Was it Denver? Saskatoon or Kansas City? Um, what was the what were the choices again? Sure. The question was, what city did the Blues almost move to in the early '80s? Was it Denver, Saskatoon, or Kansas City? Um, let's go with Kansas City. All right. And number th- four, who threw the first no-hitter in Cardinals franchise history? Note Cardinals franchise history. Ted Breitenstein, Paul Dean, or Jesse Haynes? Let's go with Paul Dean. All right. All right. Checking our score. Checking Let's bring in Randy. Josh, are you from the area? Yeah, from uh, South County. Okay. And where did you study law? So I'm, I'm actually working on that. I'll be heading uh, likely to Southern Illinois uh, next year. I just finished up at Mizzou. Oh, okay. All right. Randy's M-I-Z. getting settled here. Z-O-U. Yeah, Z-O-U. There you go. Uh, Randy, say uh, good morning to Josh, who's going to be a lawyer. Josh, good morning. Congratulations. How are you doing? <laughs> good, Randy. Morning. How are you? Good. Where are you going to go to law school? Or did you go to law uh, school? Likely Southern Illinois is probably the plan. Very nice. And do you have any idea as to what type of law you would like to practice? Uh, not sure. Maybe some business or corporate. Maybe doesn't sound like the most fun thing in the world, but uh, it's uh, it's needed. So. It's a good play and it's necessary, yes. Do you, does anybody know what a Saluki is? It's a dog. It's a dog, yeah. <laughs> it's an Egyptian dog. Oh, Egyptian. Where's it that from? I guess Egypt. Oh. 
I didn't Hence, realize Egyptian dog. That it That's was my Egyptian. guess. Yeah, me too. That's a okay. fun fact. All right. It looks like a greyhound, doesn't it? It's it a does. cute dog. Yeah, yeah, it's a cute dog. Okay. Yeah, appreciate that. All right, Randy, question number one. On this day in 1892, the first public bas- basketball game was played. Where did it take place? I am going to go with... This is There's one of two places. I'm going to go Lawrence, Kansas. Happy 28th birthday to Anthony Davis. Where did A.D. play college basketball? He played at uh, the University of Kentucky. Randy, what city did the Blues almost move to in the early 80s? Okay, so this one was... uh, We we had Hamilton on... They've almost moved multiple times. (laughs) Uh... I I believe it was going to be Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Bill Hunter, and uh, he was going to be the new owner, and actually had a deal to buy the team, and it's that's the hometown of Bernie Federico, Saskatoon. Who threw the first no hitter in Cardinals franchise history? The very first no hitter in Cardinal franchise history. Um, I think I know, but I'm going to use the lifeline here. Ted Breidenstein, Paul Dean, Jesse Haynes. Okay, I, d- I didn't have it right. Okay, I'm going to go with... It's between Brighton High, uh, Brighton, Ted Breidenstein, and Jesse. I'll go with Jesse Haynes. Whew, this was a close one. Emily, let him know who won. We have a winner and still champion, Randy Carricker. You by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs. It came down to the very last question, Josh, but Randy ultimately beat you three to two. Good effort, though. Good effort. Yeah, um, he's, he's the best for a reason. He is. You're right. Oh, you're right. <laughs> All right, here are the answers. So, uh, the first public basketball game was played in 1892 in Springfield, Massachusetts. Ah, did you that's why have they, that. they have the Hall of Fame. Uh, I was going to go, what were the three possibilities? Nashville, Tennessee. Or what did you call it yesterday? Nashville, Tennessee. I've never heard that. Nashville. Yeah. Nashville, Tennessee, Springfield, Massachusetts, or Iowa City, Iowa. Those were really? the options, yes. Uh, I would have said Lawrence, too, Randy, to be honest with you. That <laughs> I, I was, that's what I was thinking, too. And I, I was wondering if maybe Lexington would have been in there, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. Happy 28th birthday to AD. Played college basketball. You both got this right at Kentucky. And the Blues almost moved to Saskatoon in the early 80s. Now also, this, at one point, Hamilton, Ontario was on the poss- on the possibility list for your blues as well. Wasn't the uh, the big thing was um, Saskatoon is where the hell is? Wasn't that the big billboard? Mm-hmm. That yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, who threw the first no hitter? Now this is kind of a technicality in Cardinals franchise history because 1882 is actually when the franchise began. They were the St. Louis Brown Stockings. And Ted Breitenstein threw a no-hitter for the St. Louis Browns in 1891. So I guess it was, no, 1892 it was. Is first recognized as a no-no in Cardinals history. Jesse Haynes threw the first one against the Boston Braves. That was 1924. And I think, well, I don't think, I know, the last no-hitter that was thrown for the Cardinals was Bud Smith in 2001. When were the Cardinals the Perfectos? Did they go Browns, after, per- yeah. Browns Perfectos, Cardinals, right? Right, right. Yep. Good. All right, Josh, you were awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Good luck in your pursuit of a law degree and mm-hmm. passing that bar. They'll do great.
Josh has got it in if the he's back. He's listening to us. He's, he's going to do great. He's great. Coming up next, we're going to talk some more blues hockey with our friend Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic. He's our blues insider, and he's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Michelle, Dan, Randy on 101 ESPN, and we do go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. And our friend, our Blues Insider from The Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford, joins us. JR, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning. Doing real well. All right. I, I have a question. You have a piece up at The Athletic about Nico Mikola. <laughs> and uh, I was thinking about this literally when I woke up this morning at about 3 o'clock and I was trying to go to bed. Uh, trying to go back to sleep, and I'm thinking about, for whatever reason, at 3 in the morning, when I should be sleeping, <laughs> the Blues protected list when the Seattle Kraken come into play. I'm going to give you the choice. You have to protect uh, three of these and leave one unprotected from among Pareko, Falk, Krug, and Mikola. Who is on the outside looking in? It is so tough. It really is. And we've been debating this for months, and of course it changes when guys like Justin Falk step up and, and play real well, but you know, if you have to protect three, which is what the Blues are going to have to do, you have to protect Colton Pareko. I think with uh, Pareko's injury and, you know, who knows what his future is. And I think the way he's playing, you got to protect Justin Falk. And I don't know how you leave Tory Krug off. And so to me, as much as we like Nico Mikula, and he could be a star in this league in a few years, the other three guys are proven. And so I think at this point, you have to leave Mikula unprotected. That's a tough question, Randy. Good one. Uh, Jer, we haven't talked to you since Vladimir Tarasenko's return. What did you think of him as he hit the ice for, with the Blues again? Yeah, I think it was great. I thought that he brought some uh, energy to the team. It was great to see his smile on the ice. And then also, uh, I think that he handled his own. I think that, uh, you know, we don't see the real Vladimir Tarasenko yet, but nobody expected that we would. 15 games in 635 days, I think it ended up being. Uh, but he made some plays. And the biggest thing was he, he took the contact, both he, receiving it and dishing it out, especially with uh, Drew Doughty there. And I asked him the question after the game, you know, how was the contact? How did it feel? And he said, uh, no need to ask me that question anymore. I'm fine. So I think the fact that he's gotten through this little uh, stretch, has a couple games under his belt, a uh, real good sign for the Blues. ESPN signs a, a seven-year deal with the NHL. So they're, they're back in the National Hockey League game. If you had a chance to look at the numbers, how this compares to the other major sports and what this means for the finances of the NHL and just overall, what do you, what do you think about it? Yeah, Dan, I, I've glanced at the numbers, haven't done a lot of study in there. Obviously, it pales in comparison to the, the bigger leagues, uh, NFL, NBA, uh, but I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's it's almost double what the current deal with NBC is. So a big TV deal for uh, for the NHL. Uh, long rumors going back uh, the past couple of years that they could return to uh, ESPN, and and now everybody's been th- uh, singing the theme song in their head the past couple of days, <laughs> the old ESPN theme song. Even Gary Thorne commenting yesterday that uh, I'd love to talk to ESPN about coming back. What do you guys think about that? I think that would be a great choice. Now, at the age of 73, he's probably a placeholder, but he, as the Cardinals used to say, connects tradition with today. 
Yeah, yeah, he really does. And and I think that's been the reaction from fans around the league. So the league gets paid. That's a huge thing. We all know that the, these sports have endured a lot in terms of uh, you know, losing some money through the pandemic. And and uh, I think hockey uh, is, is tops on that list uh, because they rely so much on the fan gate revenue. And that hasn't been there. And then I think a lot of these players uh, have been counting on uh, the hockey-related revenue going up. Um, so that uh, they could uh, find the contracts that they wanted. So I think this TV deal is going to help out a lot, help the teams out most importantly. JR, this is this weekend coming up is certainly a speed bump for the Blues in regards to their schedule for the month of March. And by the way, April is really difficult. But if you're going to beat Vegas with the absences that the Blues are dealing with right now, how do they go about doing it? Well, uh, let me ask you this. Uh, you know, they've been really bad in the second game of those two game sets. And this technically is that second game, right? It'll be the second time they played uh, Vegas since that second game was canceled. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but we all know they played them the one time and, and they won that game. And then that next game uh, got canceled because of the COVID issues. Uh, so you have a situation where uh, you're playing a really good team and they're going to be without Alex Petrangelo. I, I believe that's a, a wrist injury. He took a shot the other day. And so he's going to be out for a while. He's going to miss that homecoming back to St. Louis probably for the best. I agree with some of the reaction on social media that uh, he kind of deserves a few more fans in the rink uh, to celebrate his career here in St. Louis. But in terms of playing Vegas, you know, they're, they're playing well, uh, tops of the division and points percentage right now. But being without a t- couple top guys, I know Petrangelo is out. I don't know if Mark Stone played last night. Uh, but, uh, you know, Blues fans probably would like Stone to be in the lineup, right? Yeah, <laughs> after right. His hit, after his hit on uh, on Tyler Bozak. So it's going to be a tough uh, matchup. The one thing, guys, is after you play Vegas these two games, I'm really looking forward to getting a look at L.A. and San Jose. Haven't seen them yet this year. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be a good chance to finally see what the Kings and the Sharks look like. Speaking of San Jose, Jared, the last time Jordan Bennington was on the ice versus the Sharks, he was making quite the exit. Uh, what did you make of the decision to put Billy Husso in between the pipes versus the Sharks? Well, you know, I think that if you're playing the last game of that road trip, you're 4-0-1, and Craig Berube's message to the team, Michelle, was just leave it all out there. Like, every player, every shift, everything. I don't understand how that doesn't include your starting goaltender. Now, I can't understand that you don't want that game to turn into something that it shouldn't, and perhaps that would have happened if you have Jordan Bennington there. Obviously, uh, you know, Curtis Gabriel had, had a, something in his mind that he wanted uh, revenge, and so that's why they had the fight with Cal Clifford. So maybe you would have had a situation where they would have been really physical with uh, Jordan Bennington. Who knows? But, you know, you go with uh, Billy Husso after the game. I wasn't surprised that uh, Craig Berube and even Ryan O'Reilly said, well, I don't know that that's the reason we need to get uh, Billy Husso some playing time. You can get Billy Husso some playing time. It doesn't need to be in a in a game like that. I think that was Jordan Bennington's game, and I think they were protecting the situation there. This is a brutal stretch, isn't it, Jr. Coming up, uh, this you know probably next what twenty twenty five games, almost thirty yeah. games. I mean, this is this is your season here, and you get the toughest gauntlet of it. It's going to be a real tough stretch for the St. Louis Blues. It really is, Dan. These three days off here, and uh, the Blues actually took two of them off and that's super rare so they got back at four or five in the morning a couple nights ago 
uh, from San Jose. And normally you'd take the rest of that day off and then be back out on the ice with the Blues, at least, uh, you know, announcing to the media uh, that the practice was off for two days in a row. They get a break. And so now you're right. This is going to be the gauntlet. And I know they're not technically in this stretch yet, but uh, 17 of the last 20 against Vegas and Colorado. Colorado has McKinnon back now. And Minnesota, who you've yet to see yet this season and uh, has played pretty good hockey. So you're going to see a lot of the top three teams in the division, Dan, uh, and not so much of those uh, San Jose, LA King, Anaheim Duck teams that we just talked about. I don't know if you're looking at, at it this way, but to me, JR, the key for the Blues is going to be staying ahead of Minnesota. Right now, the Wild are second in points percentage in the division. They are a point behind the Blues in the points standings, which is kind of irrelevant at the moment. But to me, what the Blues need to do is handle the business against Minnesota in April. Yeah, especially going to have so many games uh, coming up uh, against them. And, you know, it's a team that you haven't seen, so you're going to have to make some adjustments. You know, Minnesota has some different players this year that the Blues will be seeing uh, for the first time. It's a different look uh, on the wild side. So how about that wild side? So, they, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I'm just looking forward, like I joked about a minute ago with those uh, West Coast teams, I'm looking forward to seeing the Minnesota Wild, uh, plenty of games coming up. But, uh, you know, this isn't the Minnesota Wild team of the past couple of years, so the Blues will have to be ready. Hey, JR, one other quick thing. The Cardinals announced that they're going to have 32% capacity. And we're wondering if maybe when the playoffs start mid-May, that uh, or maybe if the Blues are playing in June, if they could get to 50% of capacity. I wonder if there's a chance of the Blues getting up to six, seven, eight, nine thousand 9,000 fans by the end of this playoff season. Yeah, they've been gone so long. I haven't had that conversation with anybody down uh, at Enterprise Center, so I'll be interested to get back uh, tomorrow for that uh, game against uh, Vegas and and just see what they're thinking, what they're planning. They they've increased it, you know, a few uh, during the, this first uh, stretch of of home games this year. But uh, it would be nice to get uh, more in, in the stands, six seven thousand. I think it's possible. You know, obviously we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves and, and think that we're through this. But I feel like uh, you know, with the vaccine and, and everybody you talk to, it feels the numbers are on the uh, upside here and, and there'll be a chance to increase that attendance it, it, it would be great it would be something that uh, people have been looking forward to for a year now jr always great to hear your voice always great to read your work at the athletic thanks so much for the time we do appreciate it we'll talk to you soon yep sounds good guys that is our blues insider from the athletic the one and only jeremy rutherford here on 101 espn next up do the cardinals have enough pitching depth Greg Amzinger says yes to win the NL Central and be a factor in the playoffs. That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It is 9.03 in St. Louis, and your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Michelle Smallman, Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carricker, and we appreciate you tuning in today. And, oh, by the way, we have uh, a, a pretty cool little setup with our app. You can listen to our show on the app. You can also listen to our podcast, which is brought to you by I Promise. So anything you might miss, Greg Amzinger, David Perron, Jeremy Rutherford, uh 
We're going to talk to Matt Morris in just a few minutes. Those are all available. And 101 ESPN and our sister stations down the hall are all competing in app madness because corporate said we had to. So now, (laughs) how can we convince you to download and use the 101 ESPN mobile app at least one time in March? Well, we loaded up the app with a bunch of sweet giveaways. We've got your chance to win 500 bucks in cash, a Traeger grill, a replica Nolan Arenado jersey, and much more. The 101 ESPN mobile app. Get it, use it, and help us try to win this app madness competition against Casey and the Point and all of them. The Arch, W-I-L. We need bragging rights. We do. We need to win. So you need to download. It's the way it is. The Cardinals need to win. And the best way they're going to win even with the addition of Nolan Arenado, is by pitching well. Now, yesterday, Jeff Passon said, Cardinals are lucky they're in the Central because their pitching doesn't stack up to some of the other teams in the National League. I mentioned that response from Jeff Passon to Greg Amzinger this morning here on 101 ESPN. I'm not. I'm not. I think this team has built a lot of, uh, of young depth uh, in their organization. Carlos Martinez so far looks good. I know it's hard to depend on him with his track record, but you're paying him last year of his deal. You might as well see what you got there. Uh, but I love the John Gantt experiment. The other day I heard he looked terrific. He's got swing and miss. It's something he wants to do. I interviewed him during the winter caravan, and he is so motivated to, to take the ball every fifth day. Oviedo, worst case scenario, I know they want this guy to come out of the bullpen and get you multiple innings. But, man, his body, everything about him looks like he could be an every fifth day guy. The kid down there, Thompson, love him. And I think Matthew Libertor is one of the top pitching prospects in the game. And I'll give you a prediction. I said this off the air the other day. I to- Actually, I told our friend Keith Costas this. We talk Cardinal baseball every single day. We're such fanboys. It's hilarious. But I said to him, I go, 10 years from now, the Cardinals will have won the Randy Arozarena trade. 10 years from now, looking back on the deal, I, I know it sounds crazy. Matthew Libertor is that talented. To meet him, you'll never forget this kid. He's wise beyond his years. Uh, his parents raised him the right way, and he's going to take that mantle. He's the next Wainwright, in my opinion, for the Cardinals. So I think the young depth is okay. And I don't think you need to overspend for a guy like Jake Odorizzi. Not at all. So Passan is of the opinion that the Cardinals need more already is. And Greg is betting on the might bees. And I think there's truth in both of those. I think the Cardinals do have a lot of depth, and they do have a lot of young, exciting arms that could potentially ascend and fill those roles if need be. But I think there are some legitimate questions and concern. I I know it's spring training, um, but I I have some questions and concerns about some of these guys. Absolutely. I also think that Jeff is saying that they're playing in a weaker division, and they're Mm -hmm. lucky that they're playing in that division. When you look at the candidates that could go for that fifth spot, I like John Gant in the bullpen. I I just, I'm, to use a Mo term, bullish on him in the (laughs) bullpen. He threw a sinker a lot last year. He gets ground balls, which means he can clean up an inning and get double plays. He can throw multi-innings. I like Daniel Ponce de Leon, potentially, if I'm going to use him as a fish starter in the rotation, um, if, if he's going to be in that, though, he's got to throw strikes, and that's the downfall for him. He has been five and fly at the most. Oviedo, small sample size in a truncated season. There needs to be a lot more seasoning on that. Now, I think his upside is tremendous. I'm really curious in not being down there. It's, it's just one of those things that frustrates me, but... I'm really curious what the club thinks right now of Jake Woodford, of where they were 72 hours ago, and now we get the news with Miles Michaelis. You know, Jake Woodford was working exclusively out of the bullpen 
Woodford has given the Cardinals in the minor leagues a ton of innings. He threw the most innings in the last full minor league season of 2019. He gave them a ton of innings and was one of their top starters. I got to wonder if they're leaning towards saying, hey, this guy's been established as a minor league starter. Do we... Do we take a harder look at him in the final couple weeks and give him a start or two? And let's see what we have there. Or are they exclusively looking at him coming out of the bullpen and being another one of those guys that can give you multiple innings coming out of the pen and being stretched out? And those are the options right now. I have not heard a lot about Zach Thompson, and I think that's where Greg is going because Matthew Libertor is not ready. I, I love Matthew Libertor. I think he's going to be a frontline starter at some point for this club or at least somebody that helps this team down the road, but it's not now. He, he's not ready. Uh, more polished, though, is Zach Thompson. I, I have not seen him throw in any of the games we've done. The games I've watched on TV, on other broadcast, I have not seen him pitch. The numbers have looked good, but he's only thrown, I think, 15 pro innings prior to this season. Then we had the shutdown last year. He was at the alternate site. It's been crazy. That guy intrigues me. So what I'm saying is, is that when you get two, three, four months into the season, that is somebody that maybe if you want to take a flyer on somebody, mm-hmm. he's maybe one of those guys you say, hey, or somebody else that's pitching well, the alternate site or AAA that we say, instead of going out and spending money or giving up on our young prospects in a package, maybe this is somebody we, we take a chance on. Do you guys think, and by the way, the Cardinals were very good at run suppression last year. Is there something to be said for the Cardinals just being better than other teams at suppressing runs? And that includes what is arguably the best defense in the league. That was last year. Yeah, right. That's how they won. Yeah. Because they didn't hit. No. So, And I think that part of it is still there. I think the Cardinals, A, will be able to suppress runs because... They, they're pretty good at it. They're From a front office perspective, they are. From a management standpoint, they know how to utilize their players. Their defense is better than it's ever been. And then in terms of trying to win games, in addition to getting Arenado, they've got a full spring to prepare to use their running game, which they didn't have last year. And last year, the running game was dramatically worse than it had been in 2019. It's in the bottom three, I think, of all of baseball in their 58 games. And the, the year before, in 2019, they were the, one of the best teams in baseball and running. I think they're going to have to get back to that point. I mean, if you look at uh, what they have in Goldschmidt and Arenado, those are givens. But there's still some ifs, a lot of ifs in my mind in this lineup, especially in the lower half. You may have to generate. And they, they should have the pers- the personnel to do this with Tyler O'Neill, with Tommy Edmond, with Dylan Carlson, with Harrison Bader. If you want to get creative, you have a great hit-and-run guy with Yadier Molina. If you're going to have to generate runs outside of the two big guys, you may have to go around and do that and, and be more aggressive on the bases. I would like to see them do that. But this team should be built on run prevention, yeah. and that's how they won games a year ago. Last year, the team ERA fourth in the National League at 3.90, and two of the teams ahead of them, the Reds 3.84 and the Padres 3.86. That's a virtual tie. Now, the Dodgers dominate in that department, but the Cardinals will be, or should be at least, right there in terms of keeping the opponent's runs down. See, I think we're looking, and we should, look a lot at their starting five, and you always look at your starting five. got to have good starting pitching. But I think where they're going to separate themselves, at least as I look on paper, and it's always on paper, which you never know what's going to happen. But if you if you broke camp and you had Gant, Hicks, Reyes, Gallegos, Helsley, and I'll throw Ponce de Leon in your bullpen with Miller, Cabrera, Webb, 
that's where you're going to separate yourself in those middle innings and closing games mm-hmm. out. That's where you're going to win. Uh, there's not many teams that are going to throw those kind of arms at you when you have a lead or you're tight in a game and you need a timely hit to tie or score. That's where they're going to win. There, the other teams don't have that. And that includes, I mean, you're on par with the Dodgers. You're on par with other teams, if not better than some of the better teams that we're talking about. Now, lineup-wise, nope, they're not there. Starting pitching-wise, especially four and five, no, you're not there. But if you're talking about starters not going deep and then you turn it over to these bullpens, Cardinals are better on paper. Agreed. We'll see how it plays out. Coming up next, a guy who pitched very well for the Cardinals for many years, and now he's a nominee for the Cardinal Hall of Fame. Former Redbird Matt Morris next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Smallman, Dan McLaughlin, I'm Randy Carricker, and this is Carricker and Smallman with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN. You know that the Cardinals have released their list of five nominees for the Cardinals Hall of Fame to be inducted this summer, and on that list is the longtime Cardinal right-hander, and for a time, the ace of the staff, 20-game winner, Matt Morris, who joins us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Matty Mo, it is great to have you with us on 101 ESPN back in St. Louis. How you doing? I'm doing great. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, Matt, let's start where Randy just let us off here. What would it mean to you to get inducted into the Cardinals Hall of Fame? Oh, you know, it's hard to put into words. You know, as as I retired, um, you know, you can reflect on your career and what it meant to you. And, and uh, you know, the, the longer I'm away, the more I realize how great it was and how uh, awesome my teammates were and the fans in St. Louis and, and just to be, you know, talked about among some of those heavyweights that are already in there is, is, you know, pretty amazing. Matty Moe, it's Danny Mack. You can't get away from me. We talked yesterday. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? So funny, man. Doing great. Um, I, I asked you yesterday about your favorite moments, and you struck me with one of the uh, answers you gave me, and you said, you know, one of the things I loved was yelling at Mike Matheny and he yelling at me. I, I was like, really? You know, I, I, you mild-mannered Mike, but he's not mild-mannered Mike, as we all know. He had a burning desire to win. You had a burning desire to win. And I, sure. I would have I guessed that those are the things that you miss. You know, you miss the dinners. You miss the time in the dugout. You miss the clubhouse, the trips, those kind of things. And then when you see Jimmy go into the Cardinals Hall of Fame, uh, you see Izzy go in the Cardinals Hall of Fame, you, you got to wonder, man, what would that be like to get that red jacket and come back here to St. Louis and be able to put on that, that red jacket? Oh, it'd be awesome. I mean, like like you're saying, sometimes the games start to blend together after a while, and uh, it's hard to separate pitches from scores, from hits. Um, but those little instances of of brilliance in the in the dugout with a, a shin pad thrown at you or a, <laughs> you know a nose to nose argument because you guys are both so passionate and trying to you know you have a common goal but you're trying to get it a different way and you're trying to agree with each other but not disagree and um, those are just insane but to to be part of that red jacket family is would be. Uh, you know, I, I'm a Cardinal through and through. I was raised by the Cardinals and uh, raised in St. Louis as, as as it goes to my baseball career. So 
um, it would just mean the world to me. Matt Morris with us on 101 ESPN. And Matt, I, I remember being in the clubhouse and seeing you all iced up. So as you reflect now, because I don't know if people realize how injured you were many times when you pitched. What was what was the craziest thing you did to get out on the mound? What did you overcome to get oh, out God. on the mound? Well, it's funny. I was just thinking about this because I, I had a conversation with Danny yesterday about um, I was watching during quarantine one of my it was it was the World Series game, and I had never seen it or thought about it since I threw that last pitch, you know, in that game and got taken out, and it just wasn't something I wanted to rush and see what I what I did wrong, basically, and um, and I realized I was I, I I gave up a bunch of two out hits, but today I was thinking more. I remember I got moved up in the order because. Marquis was going to pitch the second game, and I had the first game at home. Um, we switched that around. He was kind of a younger um, – I don't know if he was a rookie at the time, but Tony thought it would he'd be more comfortable pitching at home, and I can handle this Fenway crowd. So we moved I, – I got moved up. But also, I think three or four days after that World Series, I had shoulder surgery because I wasn't saying much probably to my detriment and the teams, you know, but I wanted the ball so bad. I already had the injury. We all knew about it. We didn't know the extent of it. And, um, you know, I went out there and tried to gut it up, but it didn't work out, unfortunately. And, you know, when you look at that, is that too much? Am I trying to be too selfish at that point? Or um, at least I got the experience. I don't know how to look at that, but – that was one of the situations, and it's funny. It just popped in my head today. That competitive competitiveness and that intensity is something that we see in a lot of Cardinals pitchers. And when you look at the great lineage of Cardinals pitchers that we've had throughout the years, we still have Adam Wayne right here now, who's obviously passed it on to some of the younger guys. But then yeah. you go back to Chris Carpenter, to you, to Daryl Kyle. What does it mean to you to see that lineage and that leadership still being passed on throughout Cardinals pitchers? Oh, man, I love it. And and um, you're right. We started with Daryl Kyle, and there was people before that. Todd Stottlemyre was there when I was uh, a young rookie, and um, Daryl passed it on to me how to be a pro and, and, and just to take the ball every five days and do your part. Um, I feel like Carp came in during the middle of my career, and he had that attitude already. So once he was 100%, that wasn't hard to see that he'll be able to pass that on. And then he linked up with Wainwright, and thank God for uh, Waino's long career and what he's doing with all those younger guys. So I, I, I see Flaherty as that next guy. And um, usually there's a, a break in the link where you, you, you just don't have that guy that helps you along, and you need that in a career. So... Uh, Cardinals have been lucky in that matter. I, I don't know if you understand this, Matty Mo. The impact that you have had on these these players today, as you're talking about this, we bring it up on the the broadcast all the time. We talk about you all the time, but your impact of what you just said, Pat Henkin, another one of these yep. guys that that gave it to you and you passed it on. And you mentioned uh, the late great Daryl Kyle, and I am curious if if you are still in contact. Uh, with Flynn and, and the family, and, and I, I know this may be a little tough to talk about. I know you're very close to Daryl, but have you had the chance to visit with her and, and how that fa- how their family is doing? 
Um, I know the family's doing great. The kids are growing up. Um, it's amazing to see, you know, nowadays you can, you can uh, stay in touch over social media, which I'm not, a, I'm not really on. My wife is, and I get the, the feedback. I think they kind of mo- went their separate way, um, but I know they're all doing amazing. Uh, kids are in college, and um, it's funny. When I'm driving in a car, and I pass mile marker fifty seven it's it just it just glows for me, you know, so things like that are uh still to this day very touching to me Matt, is there one thing that Daryl Kyle might have taught you that you specifically passed on to someone like Chris Carpenter? Is there one piece of mentorship that you can share with us? Um, you know, the one piece or the greatest moment or all that is, is tough to, cause, cause it changes daily. You know, it's, it's something that, that however you feel that day, that's, that means more to you today than it did yesterday. But, uh, just how to be a pro, you know, how to deal with media, um, at the time, uh, you know, and he, we all know DK's attitude was, he was the greatest, funniest, smartest guy ever. But to the media, he seemed boring, and that was his goal, you know. And 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 it's not it's it's not great to say, but that's what he tried to do. And and uh, he always said, you know, take all the blame, pass all the credit. And that's just a simple way to to live by. And uh, that's one of the ways we 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 uh, passed him his his memory on. I got to tell you though, Matty Mo, you were good to me. You're always good to me. Yeah, no, well, I couldn't do the DK. I'd have to get goofy and, and say, you know, I'd always say too much. And, you know, um, it's funny because around here in, in Big Sky, Montana, Bodie Miller lives here. And, you know, we all know he used to say too much to oh, the media, yeah. too. So, um, you know, you ask him one question, he talks for 25 minutes, and, and that doesn't always work out. No, it doesn't. <laughs> hey, what did you think about Tony getting back in the game? What, you know, you know Tony well, and you were back for and he specifically wanted you back for his number being retired. So you have a special relationship with Tony. What did you think about him getting back in the game? I love it, man. And, you know, and, and I have my buddies from Seton Hall or friends from home saying, oh, my God, look how old he is. I mean, <laughs> age doesn't matter. It's in his heart. You know, it's, it's, he is baseball. And uh, not to have that guy in baseball or passing his knowledge on while he's still able to would be foolish. Matt Morris with us. A couple more quick things here on 101 ESPN. Number one, why did you decide to forego an agent and negotiate your own contracts? Um, I think I was in between agents at the time and during, uh, you know, and it was one of my better years, you know. So at that point, I feel like you need an agent when you kind of are mediocre, you know, and you need someone to push and sell you. So I, I felt at that time between agents, uh, one, the whole any anybody with an agent at the end of their name is a little creepy to me anyway. Uh, whether it's a real estate agent or a <laughs> or a travel agent or any kind of agent like that, so I just felt like you know they're making money off what you do, which is part of the business. I get that, but when you're you know you win 22 games, it wasn't hard to sell yourself. So that was just a unique spot for me. And then the easiest question that you'll be asked all day, especially if your wife is in the room, what was your favorite bullpen to sit in? Ooh, 
Oh, that's funny. Um, I, you know, I'd have to go with uh, Wrigley Field, of course. Yeah. Can, 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 you start, can you tell us that story? She's not in the in the room, but uh, yeah, I was injured, so I had the Tommy John, so I was in the bullpen at the time, and I don't even know if I was coming out of the bullpen yet. So it was one of those day games in Wrigley Field. Um, I'm sure we weren't all feeling 100%. And it was a cold day and, uh, you know, full big jackets, like the football jackets on, one of those things. And I was sitting next to Alan Bennis, and uh, we were chatting, of course, like we always do, not of the game, but of the maybe the ladies in the stands. And uh, Heather, which I didn't know at the time, started walking down like toward us, and I turned to Alan, and I was like, see, that's the type of girl I can marry. And it was just random because she had, like, overalls on. Um, she had a baseball hat on kind of backwards. Uh, she was carrying a scorebook. I didn't see that part because that's a little too much. But uh, <laughs> um, anyway, she ends up getting closer closer and sits pretty close to us. So... I moved Alan out of the way, and we started chatting. And the best part of our relationship is that we, you know, we left that day on a travel day, and Heather and I exchanged numbers, and we talked for the rest of the season. You know, I wasn't able to see her, so it was probably three or four months of conversations before we saw each other again. And we developed our relationship that way, and, uh, you know, here we are 17 years later in Montana living a great life. And with four kids later. That's a, four kids tra- later. Yeah. Nice work. <laughs> well, it is cold up here, you know. <laughs> that's pretty amazing, though. I wonder how often that happens. And, oh, that's that's the kind of girl I could marry, and then you wind up marrying her, and 17 years later, here you are. That's great. It's awesome. Right, and I and I never said that before. That wasn't a thing that came out of my mouth, and I don't know why it did, but, you know, just her look and the ease of it all, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it it was meant to be. I think we might see a lot of girls wearing overalls when they go to Bushy <laughs> on the season. <laughs> hey, Maddie, well, it's better than the high heels and the fancy stuff. That wasn't my style at a baseball game. You know, that that could work elsewhere, but not, not at a baseball game. Hey, Maddie Moe, we got to get you in the Cardinals Hall of Fame. So don't be a stranger. Make sure you, 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 you know, do some interviews, come back to the ballpark, <laughs> be visible. We want We want to hear from you. You're one of the best, man. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. You Thanks, got it. Matt. Good luck, too. That is Matt Morris, former Cardinal right-hander and uh, one of the really good people. And I think underrated. And, Dan, you saw it. I saw it. Uh, what he had to deal with just to get on the mound and yeah. win 15 games. And you talk about competitive. He was desperately competitive. I remember when they drafted him, he was a top pick, and everybody had heard about Matt Morris. Remember that? Yeah, I was and, and so he had had the Tommy John and then he came out of the bullpen the first time, and he threw 99 miles an hour. And we didn't know he could throw that hard. And so when people hear about guys coming back from Tommy John, you you can throw harder. And all of oh, a yeah. sudden, he's throwing harder. And then he always had the very good curveball and developed into a fantastic pitcher. You mentioned he was a 22-game winner. What I really remember about him were the duels that he had with Schilling and and Johnson in against Arizona, but the the great postseasons against the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. And I do remember in 2004 the start that he just referred to. Uh, he was hurt. I mean, he was compromised yeah. in that start. It just didn't work out in 2004. I did think that uh, you know the the Cardinals 
they just ran into a buzzsaw that 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 Boston Red Sox team was loaded obviously very very good team and not to take anything away from them Cardinals just they had gone seven games with Houston they were beat up uh Carp was down and they were compromised but man that was such a good team in 2004 and I remember when he came back in 2000 from the Tommy John game against Houston here and he's throwing 99 again the uh, yeah. up on the clock and I go down and I ask Biggio and Bagwell. I said, was, was he really throwing that hard? I mean, it's one thing to have it on the, the gun. It's another yeah, the thing, players will tell you how hard guys are throwing. Yeah. And they said, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it was 99. <laughs> he was awesome because he, he had the curveball, too, to go with it. And he, he was also a quick worker, which I appreciated. Yeah. He would just get the ball and go. He and Matheny were on the same page, and bam, he was getting outs, and it was quick work. He was one of the best in the game at that time. So good luck to Matt Morris and his uh candidacy for the Cardinal Hall of Fame. Next up fun. on 101 ESPN, you're killing me, Smalls. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. And it is time for... You're killing me, Smalls. All right, Michelle. So we have these TVs here in the studio, and one is always locked into ESPN. And Dr. Fauci was just on first take. And one of the questions that they had asked him was who are the top five athletes of all time in your mind? And so we have, we're having this... That he watched. That he watched. We're having this debate discussion during the commercial break. I said, let's bring this on the air because I bet a lot of people driving around listening will have a lot of good submissions. So 65780 if you want to chime in here. But okay, guys, who is on your list? Top five athletes that you have seen. All right, I'm going to go with the most dominant player in his sport, uh... A couple of times. I'm going to go with Jerry Rice. Okay. And I'm going to go with Wayne Gretzky. I'm going to go with Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with LeBron. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go with Bo Jackson. Those are my five. Uh, the five that I wanted, that I loved seeing or watching, or my favorites, I guess, were his favorites that he was asked about in no particular order. I went Bo Jackson that I saw, Gretzky, MJ, Tiger. And then my five, my number five was like personal people too. So I have a bunch of guys. Yeah, let's hear them. Okay, so I had like Albert Pujols. Yeah, he's on my list. Uh, I went with watching Ozzy take ground balls before a game, which I know most people are like, really? Uh, you just want to go watch him take ground balls? Yes. Um, Larry Bird. I used to love watching Larry Bird play. Mm-hmm. I, those are guys that I would, Jack Nicholas. I mm-hmm. would watch him play in a major I mean, things of that nature. I, I loved it. Kurt Warner, I loved to watch play yeah. on a Sunday afternoon. I thought more athlete, the top five athletes that you've seen from an athletic standpoint. And I thought, of course, Michael Jordan and LeBron, just completely dominant. Albert was on that list for me because he could just do things that I don't think other people could do. What about Michael Vick? He was electric. Yep. Yep. He was, I have to stop what I'm doing to watch him perform. Because that's what he did. I also threw Usain Bolt in the mix. I don't know if I'll ever see anyone be mm-hmm. as physically dominant as him. Great call. Some names, too. Serena, obviously, should be mm-hmm. there. Um, Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders. I, I had on my list that was kind of, I, I'm not sure anybody would come up with this, but Earl Campbell. When they would rip off his jersey and he's running over people, it was a sight to behold. I mean, you just don't see that. He was a latter-day, and he doesn't get enough credit. He was a latter-day Jim Brown. Yeah. Nobody in his era had the combination, and this includes O.J. Anderson, who we watched here, had the combination of size, speed, and power that Earl Campbell had. You know, the other one I was thinking of, too, is Mike Tyson. Mm -hmm. I I would watch a Mike Tyson fight. I would stop what I was doing to watch a Mike Tyson fight. I would build my day around that. 
That was I, another uh, one. I really had difficulty leaving Michael Phelps off my list. That's She's another great. one. Some other names on the text line, 65780. What about Lawrence Taylor? Oh, yeah, that's yeah. a good one. That's a really LT good one. LT was good. Really good. Someone from the 636 says, when I was at Mizzou, I would watch Adrian Peterson run all over the place. He looked like a man among boys. Yeah, he kind of was. He was really good. Obviously, well, he was great. But he would be in like my tier of... Like, where would you put Barry Sanders, Adrian Peterson? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. great running, uh, unbelievable running backs. But I want something that's, like, almost unique in that group. Ricky Williams, people are throwing into that mix. Yeah. Steven Jackson, someone texted in. Steven Jackson was an incredible athlete. Yeah. And Ricky, in college, was dominant. He never, well, he, he had an 1,800-yard season. Won the Heisman. Yeah, but he was just never what for long term, kind of like Bo, but because of injury, for him it was the, the devil's lettuce, but never what we expected him to be. We haven't mentioned in his prime, Brett Hall. That would be That's one. I mean, one. that was kind of must-see TV. Yeah. 86-goal season. That was awesome. That was fun to watch. And it's something that we won't see again. Although, we can put, I think, Alex Ovechkin into that conversation, too. Because that's an amazing amount of athleticism. When you, you when you have the one timer that yeah. Alex Ovechkin has, the hand eye coordination is remarkable. Where's Mario Lemieux? Yeah, another one. That's another good one. Yeah. Um, Nolan Ryan. Yeah. All the no hitters, dominant for such a long period of time. And how about Rick Ankiel? I, I thought about that to be able to do what he did, do both at a high level, is something to think about. But would he be your top five athlete? That's the thing. You, you have to define what we're talking about, too. Right. It's not just athletic ability. Right, right. Right. Well, one person that's getting a lot of love on the text line, Marshall Falk. Yeah. And it's interesting because during the break, I, I was telling you guys, I'm looking at people that combined either just had outrageous dominance over their sport, like Gretzky or Rice, or people that combined incredible gifts with incredible drive. And... This tells you about Marshall Falk's gifts. His off-season program was going out and playing golf. He didn't come in and lift weights with his teammates. Really? No. So game time was on time. Exactly. He'd show up at training camp and you know ease on in and then play. But he he was not working out like uh, Walter Payton was when he was playing running back in the NFL. I wonder as we get closer to MLS and more people start really focusing on soccer your casual fan mm-hmm. that they start they would probably start saying Ronaldo and Messi and those kind of guys Harry yeah. Kane mm-hmm. look at you mm-hmm. look at you Tottenham Hotspurs Coys I'm gonna give you one more before we break here Bob Gibson getting a lot of love oh man he could have been line. a globetrotter he, he was a globetrotter yeah. he was yeah. could have been an NBA player could have been an NBA yeah. player clearly one of not only from a success standpoint, have to watch, but from yeah. a, if we're talking strictly athletics, Bob Gibson definitely in the mix. If Tiger was in day four of a tournament and he was in the lead, would you just stop what you're doing yep. to watch him, especially yeah. in a major? Oh, yeah. yeah. If we change this from best to most dominant, then Tiger has to be in there. I think Shaq has to be in there. Gretzky. Gretzky, Rice. Michael. Uh, MJ yeah, would MJ. be there. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It, those guys were dominant. And one thing, Shaq Michael was, Phelps is dominant. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Shaq was never the most um, 
He, he wasn't the most fundamentally inclined player, even though I think he did call himself the big fundamental one time. And we're talking about players that are and folks that are still with us. Right. Because yeah. if, if you're going all time, you're talking about Chamberlain. You're talking about a lot of different people. Oh, too. yeah. Right. But um, we're talking about now. Cy Young. But with him specifically, he was the most dominant force just because he towered over everybody, even in the NBA, physically. Yes. We, do you guys remember the show that he was doing, Shaq versus? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he would do the weird stuff. Well, not weird. I mean, he'd come in and, you know, he'd face a pitcher in Major League Baseball, yeah. and then he'd go on the Bass Pro Tour or something and do fishing. He came to Bush Stadium one day. I couldn't believe LaRusso let this happen. It was like <laughs> 10 minutes before first pitch of a Major League game, and he did, you know, face somebody or whatever it was. But he came into the clubhouse, and I, I was in awe of how big he yeah. was there it did tv did not do it justice of how big that man is and was at the time I, he was massive it was it was he was huge so, and i was like how does he who, who would stop him yeah. if he got the right. ball <laughs> yeah. Yeah. good luck yes so coming <laughs> and out, he was athletic out of the tunnel there's a you have the cardinal players have to cross a hallway to get into the clubhouse and there's these, these double doors coming out of the tunnel and he filled up the double doorway yes. the door frame just filled it up. Michelle, he is enormous. Wow. And he was cut because he's in great shape, you know, <laughs> so he's all cut up and massive and strong. And he could run. He could dribble. Couldn't shoot a free throw. But everything <laughs> else he could do. I was like, who would possibly stop this man if he got the ball on the block? There was nobody. Nobody. And he was a great athlete in, in, in that kind of shape and in that size. It was unbelievable. Remarkable. Yeah. So that's your killing me, Smalls. Thanks, Michelle. You got that it, only took one, did it? One, yeah. one, you're killing me, Smalls. There you go. Yeah. Right. We're going to cross things over towards Danny Mac and BK next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> All right, so you can sign up for our 101 ESPN app madness by downloading the 101 ESPN app and registering. I'm just telling you, you are going to win because Michelle's going to win something, Dan's going to win something, I'm going to win something, Emily's going to win something. Mm. So we we can take our choices here. We've got the Arenado jersey. We've got the Traeger grill. I already have one of those. I'll take that. Okay, it's all yours. Dibs. $500 cash. We've got I a rolling like cooler. We've got a 101 ESPN prize pack, a 101 ESPN jacket. Uh, so Dan, yes. Emily, you guys get to choose next. I well, I'd, I'm going to fight uh, Michelle for the Traeger. Yes, sir. Oh, doctor. Yes, sir. Okay. This is big. Well, big Dan, stuff. Dan, I've never grilled before. You've so, never grilled ever? No, we had to do a grilling video for 101 ESPN, and that was the first time I ever grilled. My dad and my uncle gave me a tutorial. Did they? First time ever. You need to go to a barbecuing school or something. I do. I do. So Once maybe you if do I had it, the you Traeger love grill. It. it just seems very complicated. So many people are so into it. A lot of people that I know now have the big green egg, and that's all they talk about. It's a yeah. full process. It's not a, a quick and easy thing. That's the fun part. You know, get Is with your fun? friends, you, you throw on the steaks on the grill, right, Randy? Right. <clears throat> and uh, make an event out of it. It is. And uh, enjoy yourself and throw the steaks on or whatever it tickles your fancy and have a pleasant day with all your, your friends So as we come out of this pandemic. <laughs> one week from today, next Thursday, is Danny Mac's birthday. So Whoa. I might even make you a birthday cake. Whoa. 
When's my birthday? Next Wednesday? Uh, next week. Your, your birthday's the 18th, right? It is the 18th. I'm Today's just, the 11th. I'm trying to add. Today's so, the 11th. So 18th yeah. to be next week? It next is. So, I was so almost... We'll have a, we're going to have a party for you here. Oh, that'd be great. Thanks. What You're would welcome. you like at your party? You get to pick. Oh, I don't know. Maybe a day off. <laughs> <laughs> so we will not count on Dan to be here next week. <laughs> no, I'll be here. I, it's, it's next Thursday, huh? Yeah. You didn't know your birthday is next Thursday? No, I did not. Well, the calendar creeps up on us it these does. days. It I does. It does. Kind of everything's kind of Groundhog Day, too. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. One thing we didn't get to this morning, the I was judge... almost born on St. Yeah. Patty's Day. How close? Well, that's the 17th. Yeah, but were, oh. you, were you like uh, 12.05 a.m., baby? I don't know that oh, answer okay. either. I think I was born in the morning. Oh, okay. So yeah. you were close. <laughs> I, I would have been a Patrick, not a Daniel. Really? A, McLaughlin and my, God rest his soul, my grandpa on the McLaughlin side was very mad at my mom for not making sure that I was born on St. I'm dead serious. <laughs> really? was mad that I was not born on St. Patty's Day. Yes. And was, so you did not get Patrick. I did that not get Patrick. That was only for that day. That's right. Is it Daniel Patrick? No. Okay. No. Interesting. He was very mad. He was very Irish, and he was very <laughs> upset that I was not born on St. Patty's. Yeah, he probably would have been very <laughs> yes. proud and pumped yes, to have you born was, on that day. Yeah, Isn't very that Irish. interesting? I don't know how you guys were when you had kids, but did you have a name and then a backup name? Or re- did you say, I know with Patrick, you told us about the bet or the yeah, conversation he, you had with Joan. But So he was born in 1994, and it was supposed to work out. Talk about welching on a bet. That if the Rockets won the championship, he was supposed to be Hakeem. And if the Knicks won the championship, he was supposed to be Patrick. Rockets win the championship, and he winds up being Patrick anyway. You know, it's interesting is that that would tie into the O.J. Chase. Was he born close to the O.J. Chase? Yeah, like he was born on July 19th. And okay. the chase took place on June 19th, like a month later. Okay. Wow. Well, wow. I just yeah. that does tie into your fascination with the O.J. Uh, situation. Oh, totally, because yeah. I watched the whole thing. Yeah, The Chase? No, I mean like everything because I was working at night and all the court cases were during the day. We watched a lot together. Yeah, we did. Oh, wow. So you should have known this was I should (laughs) have. Yeah. But I I did want to note that the judge in the lawsuit that St. Louis has against the NFL has delayed the case now. And it's going to be January of 2022 because of the difficulty in... A, getting cases started again at the Eagleton Courthouse downtown, and B, in putting together a jury that both sides are satisfied with. And uh, the the people, their local people that are defending Stan Kroenke, I guess you got a job to do, right? Not the most pleasant job in the world. But they're concerned about their ability to get an impartial jury. And I'm saying that if you're worried about that, well, why didn't you have your client do the right thing? Fair question. Have they gotten Grubman yet for the deposition? No, not yet. But it, they will. They, that has to happen. Obviously, yeah. that's a key figure in this whole situation before it's all uh, before it's all done. We have uh, BK on the Danny Mac show, and we're going to visit hopefully with uh, Keith Hernandez. Keith Hernandez should be in the Cardinals Hall of Fame yes, already. He He's still on the ballot. One of five will get elected to the Cardinals Hall of Fame, and uh, we hope to visit with Keith. Hernandez coming up on the program, which will begin, uh, will commence a broadcast in about uh, five minutes or so. All right. Looking forward to that. Thank you, sir. All right, guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Uh, Emily, great job as always. Thank you. Thank you. It's our producer engineer, Emily Butcher. And what did we learn today? Anything that we learned today? Anything yeah. that uh, stood out in the program? We learned a lot. Um, yeah. I, I wrote it down.
But uh, what Matt Morris said that Daryl Kyle taught him, mm-hmm. which was to accept all the blame, pass all the praise, I thought that was a great line. And that's that something is. that I learned. And I think in any situation in your life, that would make you a good teammate. Yep. And I learned that there isn't apparently a blue that wants to show off his body next to the pool in Southern California. That was a unique question. It was. Well, I had to throw that. There's, there's always that guy that wants to show. Uh, but among, they're professional athletes. I they, know, but there's always one guy. I mean, the, looked the, like that forever. Every team has that guy that wants to. They I, do. I, oh yeah, everybody has. Is that right? Every, every, every professional sports team has a guy that's really, really, really proud of his physique. Did you feel uncomfortable asking that question? No. Okay. Have you ever felt uncomfortable asking questions? There's, there is no such thing as a bad question or a dumb question, Randy. Uh, well, no, there's no dumb questions. There's only dumb people that ask them. Okay. And yeah, I've asked dumb questions in the past, but you want to see if you get a response. All, all right. right. Well, it was a unique question you yeah. asked. Thank and you. I enjoyed it, though. Appreciate that. Okay. Thanks, Michelle. You got it. See you guys tomorrow. And Buster Only will be with us tomorrow, and Dan will be back for all of us. No, thanks for no tuning. No problem, Randy. I said thanks to you first. Oh, Okay. For all of us, thanks for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. Till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman podcast, powered by I Promise. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.